And now, I am proud to present the owner and founder of Planet Express, Professor Hubert G. Bonsworth. You're all fired. Sweet <gasps> Bongo of the Congo. In fact, you were fired two years ago. That's when we were shut down by the delivery network. Yes, I'm afraid the brainless drones who run the network canceled our license. We were canceled? Oh, it's terrible. Just terrible. Well, clear out your desks and move along. Chop, chop. Yes? I see. Good news, everyone. Those asinine morons who canceled us were themselves fired for incompetence. And not just fired, but beaten up, too. And pretty badly. In fact, most of them died from their injuries. <laughs> and then they were ground up into a fine pink powder. Why? Oh, it's got a million and one uses. So what does this mean for us and our many fans? It means we're back on the air. Yes, flying on the air in our mighty spaceship. You're the greatest, Bender. Five minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of May, in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Cavalcade of Whimsy. Thank you for coming along. It is Monday, and welcome to Day 12. It's uh, 503-733-2970 if you would like to join us today. 503-733-2970. 970. For your comments, questions, clarifications, two cents, kvetches, what have ye? 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol, standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, or the somewhere in between, the just plain unclassifiable. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at... RickEmerson.com, uh, Sarah at 970.am, Tim at 970.am, or Richie with a T at 970.am. Thank you for coming along today. Uh, i got to try to keep it together today because everything, everything I look at today, uh, I, everything I look at today strikes me as really disproportionately hilarious. I just realized that for, uh, I don't know, about the last eight or nine months, when did that Chocolate Rain song come out? Um. Probably around then. Was it uh, was it last year at some point? So I just realized that on the back of the control board in front of me is a little post-it note that just has the words Tazon Day on it. Which That's I think been up there forever. Which I think dates from when I couldn't remember the name of the guy who did the Chocolate Rain song. Because I think when the Chocolate Rain thing first came out, I it's, I couldn't ever remember who was performing it. And so Sarah at one point just wrote down the words Tazon Day and stuck them on a post-it note, and stuck the post-it note on the back of the control board here. So now, of course, and I've just and it's been there for the better part of a year, and I've never really noticed it. 
As I looked at it now, and it struck me as fantastically funny. All right, yeah, I still have one over here that says the donkey story. I'll it's, post a note. Just saying the donkey just story. random little bits of detritus floating around the studio. All right, it's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you would like to join us today and weigh in on whatever might be uh, plaguing your mind or imagination on this fine Monday morning. Here's what's coming up today. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, who is still lurking around the fine city of Portland, Oregon. Uh, she'll be calling us today from wherever it, wherever it is that she is. Well, the primary is tomorrow, so I don't know what she's doing today. Just out, I don't know, spending all her money on kittens and panties, or whatever it is that girls do. So... Ew, don't say that word. <laughs> kittens? Yes, I'm sorry. Kittens. <laughs> uh, please forgive me. Uh, so she is in Portland, and I think we'll be in Portland uh, through tomorrow and then flying out on the on Wednesday morning. Uh, so we will talk to CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins from our own fair city uh, later on today. Steve Kastenbaum will be joining us from New York City, uh, where I guess they're talking about Ted Kennedy, who's... I don't know whose brain just stopped working at some point over the weekend. I was almost in tears. <laughs> I'm serious. I was bracing oh. myself on the worst. You oh. don't think that's funny? No, do you? I'm sorry. I was, I, when you said you were almost in tears, I was laughing. I thought you were kidding. No, I was not. Oh. Me? I, I wasn't laughing either. Train wreck when I heard that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm know, only kidding. Well, I know, that it's, I know that he is the last remaining pillar in the dynasty, yeah. right? Because nobody cares about any of the younger candidates, do they? No, not really. I mean, the younger they, they candidates... They haven't gotten any trouble since they got into their 30s. And it's just, I mean... The younger candidates are all just, uh, that's that's just a lot of plane crashes and raping, right? Like, <laughs> allegedly. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Tim, I know you're a New Englander, but come on. I mean, if the, if the good Lord didn't want us to make such jokes, he wouldn't have created the candidates I mean, for us in the, the first place. Greatest, the greatest thing that this series came up with is Bob Packwood. <laughs> a big old windbag. <laughs> Women were so desperate. <laughs> <laughs> the Kennedys have charisma. A big, more. big white prune shoving his uh, shoving his groin against women in an elevator. Right. <laughs> We're talking about a whole family of these people. And the idea that the idea that a sexual harassment uh, the idea that a sexual harassment perpetrator was named Packwood. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know that joke was probably made fifty thousand times in the eighties when it happened, but I mean, come on. Oh man, I love this country. All right. Well, in any event. Uh, so we will talk to Steve Kastenbaum about about Ted Kennedy, who at one point they said it was a stroke, and then they said it was a seizure. I don't know what the hell they're saying it was now. It's some sort of some sort of problem in his central processing unit or something. So uh, all right, the uh, ladies will say there's nothing wrong with the central processing. <laughs> no, of course not. The ladies that are still around to talk about it anyway. <laughs> Uh, well, he's become right. a much better driver. I, I think he has his own driver now. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> Wouldn't you think that would be the first thing you'd do with Ted Kennedy, not unlike Lindsay Lohan or any of those? The first thing you do, hire somebody to drive you. Well, That's... you know, th those bridges in Cape Cod are narrow, <laughs> and some of them are unlit. Okay, whatever you say, friend. Ted Kennedy really is, he is the sort of bender uh, of American politics, though. Just constantly clutching a cigar and a dame and a, and a, and a, and a, and a big uh, glass of whiskey. You betcha. And off to, do some, off to do some sort of scurrilous, dirty work. And he's still doing it. Still doing it. He can't be stopped. All right. In any event, so Lisa Desjardins will join us today. Steve Kastenbaum will join us today. Uh, I do believe we're going to try to wrestle up our good friend Peter Carlin from the Oregonian, who may at this point be recovered from uh, Thursday's roast. Uh, so we'll talk to him, Peter, 2 p.m. today. Excellent. Because we never did the, lo uh, the loss recap from last week either. Well, I didn't get to watch loss. Did you not TiVo it? 
No, no, I didn't get my TiVo set up, and then I was trying to watch it on ABC.com, and... How'd that it, work out for you? Uh, so frustrating. You I know, if that was a CBS program, Sarah, that would have streamed perfectly. Man, it was not, and I have a very, like, fast internet connection at my house. There's no reason it shouldn't have worked. But all of a sudden, like, the audio would just go out, and it would just be sketchy. The secret to the island... Dinosaur. This is, like, one of the secrets to the island ones, and I'm trying yeah. to watch it, and I'm trying to lip-read, because the sound keeps going out. <laughs> so if anyone has... Anyway, but Jack, don't you understand that your father (laughs) prohibition? All right. No, it was that kind of episode, by the way. It's the episode that I've been waiting for, that everyone's been waiting for. Would you like everybody to call up and reenact the episode for you in three minutes now? No. We could do it. We could reenact last week's lost episode in in 180 seconds. I watched three fifths of it, and I do want to watch it. You watched three fifths of it. Yeah, because it was separated into five portions, and it crapped out like halfway through the third part. All right. So, uh, so you. I will watch it today. I'm going to try and watch it today. I'm going to try and find it on the internet. Fifteen minutes left to watch or something? Yeah. All right. Okay. We'll do our best not to spoil it. All right, well, in any event, uh, so Peter Carla will join us today. Uh, what else is coming up? Uh, Clergy Watch later on today uh, as well. Clergy Watch, I think we have a Darwin Watch somewhere, a whole passel of stories from Florida, of course. Uh, and uh, we'll talk about yesterday's Jesus. I mean, I don't even know where to start with that Obama thing yesterday. Oh, man, I, I'm telling you. It, it was 75,000 people. I, I was stuck right in all that humanity. I've never been to anything like that. I've been covering politics since Reagan. Really? Yes. Three times the population of my hometown showed up to see Barack Obama yesterday. If you want to do a comparison, get two newspapers. Today is Oregonian and Saturday is Oregonian. <laughs> Saturday is Oregonian. The headline is, Clinton swaps big crowds with small Oregon gatherings, and it shows this, uh, this group of hand-picked people like KGW on a program nobody ever watched. No, I never talk about. Hey, now, is that, the, is that the town hall? That is the town hall. So there, here's a handful of people that she picked. It looks like she's at, like, at an old abandoned moose lodge or yeah. something. And then here's... Portland, Wiles, Obama. <laughs> Barack Obama with people going off to the horizon. I mean, as it's still on the front page of Drudge. Yep. I mean, as far as the eye could see. It's just, and I have, uh, I have a whole bunch of pictures on uh, my website today, so if you want to look. At and uh, we have sound that you obtained there yesterday as well. I did. I know you and Lisa were both there covering. Lisa and I were there. And I ran into Storm Large, and, uh, yeah, it was quite a time. Excellent. So, the TSA was out there yesterday, by the way, and I brought my uh, my Fox coffee mug with me, and they mm-hmm. made me drink the solution inside in front of them. Really? Yeah. Just to see if you would keel over. Well, they had you enter your pockets and, and go through the uh, metal detector like the airport. Even you, a journalist? Even all the journalists. It's <sighs> not right, the, Tim. The TSA was out there. The fourth estate. What was the TSA doing there, though? They were the ones inspecting everyone. Because aren't they? The, they're the airport That's people, right? That's what I too, but they borrowed them. So if you went to the airport yesterday, maybe there was somebody there. <laughs> All the metal detectors are brought down. But, you know, you have to credit the Portland Police Bureau and the fire department for being friendly through this whole thing and keeping everything working. Oh, away. God, yeah, man. I would have been clubbing people left and right just because... So if you were trying to get plutonium and throwing stars onto an airplane, apparently yesterday was the day to do that. So I, I for reasons that we'll discuss here in a moment, I did not, I did not go to the uh, to the Obama thing yesterday, um, but I had to swing through downtown at one point, and I got to tell you, man, it was a line that was about six people across and about nine miles long. I mean, in every conceivable direction, stretching off like some sort of unholy human snake. Now, if you're a downtown businessman and did not have your restaurant open yesterday you're afternoon, a fool. you're a fool. Fool! You deserve whatever financial fate befalls you. So. It was really, you know, they were handing out water to their credit, but how much water did it take for <laughs> seventy-five thousand people? And where did it all come from? But but they managed to do it, and. Uh, and credit to the orderly Portland crowd. It did. It went off without a hitch or with no... Uh, I don't think there was any arrests that I know of anyway. I, don't, I think everything went fairly smoothly. 
So, but I have never seen that many white people gathered to one spot anywhere on the face blind, of the earth. A blinding sea of alabaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the but the Decemberists were playing too, right? Yep. That was the thing. Mm-hmm. Did so you I, to see them play? I did. I was standing right next to them. I snuck around to get a better view of them because. Because we're in radio and the armpit of the entertainment community, <laughs> they set us up on a table behind bleachers where you could only see people's feet and legs <laughs> above you, sweltering out in the heat where everything melted on the table, and a piece of duct tape that said radio. <laughs> now, if you think I was going to stand there, you were clearly mistaken. I was going to sneak under something, and I did. I stuck behind the band. Good for you. <laughs> I mean, I'm supposed to stand there and melt like the square. As somebody once said, we are kind of the rodeo clowns of the entertainment and, industry. And that whole table was empty. <laughs> I know there were other radio people there. But I, uh, I I left my newspaper there, and it had turned up, uh, you know, several shades of yellow by the time I picked it up. Would you like Would you like to see the shoes of the guys of the Decemberists from 300 yards away? Uh, and also, but you know, yesterday a lot of people don't know this, but it was an international event. I talked to somebody from the uh, the London Telegraph was there. Really, the BBC was there. NHK Japan was there. I mean, hundreds of journalists from all over the world, so... Well, this is the biggest... I think this is the biggest crowd he's ever had. Yeah, since Pittsburgh or something where they had uh, 30,000. Good for him. So uh, 75,000. 60,000 squeezed inside. Uh, 15,000 couldn't get outside. So this week is the first and last time that Portland, uh, Oregon, will ever matter in terms of national politics. I mean, it's been fun. I mean, savor it while it lasts, kids, because by the end of tomorrow, uh, we'll be back in the the, the furthest of back burners again. So I kind of felt like I was back in New Hampshire. During the- for just one moment, yep. you're, there was there was relevance for just a brief shining day. All right. But we may get it again tomorrow. Well, as a matter of fact, I think we are. Because I think he's not going to be here tomorrow. He's oh. going to be in Iowa. Somebody told me yeah, he's going to be in Iowa tomorrow. And then his, uh, his according to Obama's people, his uh, get-together t- tomorrow night will be at Kells upstairs in some function room. Now, I've never been up there, and I don't know how many people it's going to fit. So that is so his, his people are going to be at Kells tomorrow? Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I don't know. Have you ever been to their function room? I have no idea how uh, Sarah are. probably has. You've been upstairs at Kells, haven't you? Um, you know, I don't think I have. So I don't know I if that's going to spill near, into but... the street. Because it's not a very big place. I mean, not not like, you know, not not in terms of the, the, what they're probably going to need for tomorrow. That's what I was thinking. Well, we'll be doing live uh, primary coverage tomorrow here on AM 970 because we are invested in the Portland community. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. Uh, so uh, 75,000 cling to the waterfront to hear Barack Obama. We were there. Hillary prefers more intimate gatherings. Oh, Bill and Chelsea... A surprise, a handful of uh, 23rd Street restaurant patrons who did not go to the rally. <laughs> Maybe two or three. Hello? The city's empty. Bill and Hillary. Uh, I'm sorry, Bill and Chelsea have the... Uh, well, Hillary city. wasn't even here. No, she wasn't. So she left uh, Chelsea and Bill to wander around 23rd yesterday. Jesus. Uh, plenty of well-wishers with Ted Kennedy recovering in the Boston Hospital uh, from what has been called a seizure. A Portland seizure. boy plays chicken with a train and fails. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. Hey. The best chocolate milk does not come from a cow. And something that's our ex Dylan wants to know. What? 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 The new kids on the block will play the Rose Garden November 26th. <gasps> yes! Yeah! That's fit. You're doing We better little... start working on that now. A little happy Maybe dance over there. Maybe it be sponsored by us. <gasps> <laughs> AMI oh. 70 presents the new kids on the block. And not just us. Maybe Jammin would like to go and with us. Well, I was just going to say, I actually can't oh, imagine... Yeah. Yeah, but that's not a but that's not a jamming thing. I can't imagine. Maybe that. I can't. Yeah, I can't imagine that. that I mean, maybe I don't really know. We'll have to look. I because offhand, 
I can't really think of what radio station would even be would even be aligned with that because it's too old for Z, uh, and it's um, uh, I don't know that it's it's not really rhythmic. It's not I don't I don't know that it's hip hop enough for jamming, and yeah, I just don't know. Well, well, we have we'll a few months to it. figure it out. All right, we'll start working the phone, Sarah. Thank you, Tim Riley. Fantastic. You're welcome. I try to be useful. You know, I tried so hard to put together like a boy band top five today because of the new kids on the block thing and also because I couldn't come up with anything else. Why didn't you let me do that? I could do that. I don't know, because the last time I because the last time I came down here with ideas for a top five, it was like we just couldn't like because well, that was, I, that was before special, the roast. And it was in yeah. your special internet time. No, that's right. That, you were you were yeah, busy with you're the roast. like, Hey, why don't you come up with all these ideas while you're simultaneously trying to come up with an idea for the roast that's happening in two days that you haven't written? Well, this does seem to be a recurring theme on the Rick Emerson show, but here's some of my aborted ideas for top fives this morning. I was gonna do top five uh like boy bands that you've probably forgotten about. You know, because the new kids are doing a big reunion, but mm-hmm. it's it's not like anybody's asking for like a uh, Menudo. Well, I was going to go with Menudo. We already had a new edition reunion. I was going to go with uh, you know. The Do you want to go like down the lines of like a little Color Me Bad? The Franco family, Color Me Bad, yes. Uh, well, nobody remembers the Franco family. No, you know, I'll, I'll, they just remember the one hit and the fact that that little chubby. He was like a he was like a Latin Danny Bonaducci. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Just like a little, just like a little chubby kid who was uh, sort of preternaturally cute for about six months and then he became hideous. Oh, the cow sills. The cow sills. There you go. So I got to do top five sort of boy bands that nobody remembered. Let's see what else. Then I was gonna do. Um, I was going to do the top five sleaziest songs ever to hit the top ten, and that was really only so that I could play "Do You Think I'm Sexy" by Rod Stewart. Uh, that was another one where I had one song that, for some reason, has been going through my head all. And the idea that "Do You Think I'm Sexy" is going through my head this morning is just—I mean, it's like a punishment of, of of Greek proportions. I mean, that's the worst song ever recorded. So I was going to work backward from "Do You Think I'm Sexy" and try to come up with the top five sleaziest songs. Ever to hit the top ten. I also didn't come up with that. Here's another one. I, here's another top five I tried to do today. I tried to do top five songs that uh, sleazy girls sing at karaoke to try to look sexy. That's another one I was going to try to do. Could you help me with that one? Oh, yeah. Could we get that one put together for later? Oh, yeah. I mean, top I'm already, because I go to karaoke bars, so I know exactly, like, like a little, are, let me just throw one out there. I, I wonder if you're thinking of the same one I am. A little like Shania Twain, damn, I feel like a woman. Oh, see, that's not the one I'm thinking of. I was thinking of, you know what I was thinking of was this one. All right. I think of anything down. by Shania Twain. Good Lord. My God. I was thinking of that. Right there. Oh, I oh. heard that on the radio the other day. Yeah, trashy girls always oh sing that God. song at karaoke because they want to look sexy. Uh, a, late, a late friend of ours who used to be in radio used to play that every morning. Really? Yes. Oh. Uh, yeah. Just like... Like clockwork. 745. <laughs> really? That is so weird. Okay, well, maybe we'll do that later on today. Then top five songs that trashy yeah. girls sing at karaoke to try to make themselves look sexy. All right, uh, and so forth. Uh, joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Exxon. You bicycled today. I did. Good for you. I didn't have any excuse not to. You shut up! <laughs> well, you know, I don't even have to bicycle now. <laughs> you didn't have to in the first over. place. I, just... should, I should start doing it now, just to really complete the shame. Now that, I, now that I'm not raising money for the handicapped, I should actually start bicycling you're every that, day. But you're still but I'm still not, crap. But I'm, you're not going to. <laughs> but I'm still here in my car. Uh, you know, it's just, God damn, I just, suck. I, I spend, you know, because my car costs a lot of money to fill up. Blah, blah, blah. Everyone hates gas prices, whatever. Right. And we had to drive to um, Vancouver to, yesterday for the foster kids pajama. Yes, we did. And, and so that, are, that ate up, like, you know, a quarter of my tank of gas. I'm like, I am 
too poor to be avoiding, you know, affording to drive, so I'm just going to start riding my bike a lot. How would you like to be a newsman election week having to drive? Uh, <laughs> and that big iron car of yours, oh, yeah. that car of yours that weighs like 5,000 pounds? Well, you know, yesterday, I, I was so overheated, it took like two hours to get out, and I had no idea how lightheaded I was. <laughs> so I was pulled over on my way home. Really? The man? And, uh, the man pulled you over? Yeah, because he said I, w- I was weaving as I was driving. And more than likely I was. I don't think he'd lie. <laughs> a heat prostration. Yes. And I explained the situation and where I was and, I, and the opposite. Well, I suggest that you go to the store right away and get some water. So he, uh, so he, he let you off with a warning. He probably just gave you a warning. Oh, he was waving his CBS badge. Probably. Well, I, because no, I did not wave my CBS badge. He could did not you make, help but see it. Did you, make, did you make sure that he saw it, though? Did you position yourself so that he could see the thing that says newsman? I unbuckled my (laughs) seatbelt. I'm sorry, officer. Let me adjust my seatbelt and shove this in your face. (laughs) Mine just looks like I'm a 7-Eleven employee from my Emerson's 11. I made sure I took that off. That that made you look like you're working retail. That'll cause nothing but problems outside of here. You know, I had a friend of mine, actually. uh, I'm not suggesting that this is how Tim Riley got out of a ticket yesterday. But I had a friend of mine that whenever uh, he would get pulled over, his whole deal was... Uh, in the wallet right next to his ID, he would always just keep a folded up $50 bill. And he would always just say, pardon me, officer, let me just open my wallet here and see where my ID is. And there was like a $50 bill that was always just tucked in right next to it. And he figured that, you know, if the cop didn't want to take the bait, uh, then it was fine because he hadn't really offered it. But if the cop was so inclined, then the 50 bucks was right there. And that was like his that was his way to sort of skate out of it. But, but I want to thank the officer. He was courteous and efficient. Excellent. And uh, looking out for the safety of others, Tim. Yes. And as he told me, I stopped and got some water. <laughs> You know, I, I I parked my car up back in here where there were no trees. So did you walk from here to the Obama thing and then back oh, yeah. here and then drive yeah. home? Yeah. Jesus. It, I, it was. Oh. I can't even imagine. Well, because so here's the, so and we're running a little behind you, but here's here's the thing that so Sarah and I did this yesterday. This is why I did not go to the Obama thing. I stopped by the station uh, before we did this, but Sarah and I had to go to Vancouver. Uh, for the Sleep Country USA Pajama Bowl, which is to benefit uh, the Trillium Center, which is a foster kid organization, which is you know, it was a good time. We want to thank all the listeners who came out. A bunch of really, really, and I mean this sincerely, a bunch of really cool, really great listeners came Man, out. They they're cooler than us. Like, yeah. Like with Caver and Michael and like meeting all those people, I'm just like, why do you guys listen to us? Yeah, we had uh, we had a, a ton of great listeners who came out and bowled on Sarah's team and my team and Richie's team. And you even we, had Timber Joe on your team, right? We did, and uh, you know, and it just it just a bunch of and Scott and Jeff and it's just a bunch of a bunch of great folks were there. Uh, and and then um, you know, so we had to drive we had to drive out there for that. And the deal was that Sarah bought my pajamas and I bought her pajamas because it was you know the, the gimmick of the thing is you go there and you bowl a couple games in pajamas because Sleep Country sponsors it, and then listeners have pledged money to bowl with you and then whatever. So I got Sarah these pajamas that had like sock monkeys or something all over them. And so I know Sa- they were so nice. They were cute. They looked like they could have been purchased at a boutique on Hawthorne. And the agreement that Sarah and I had was that she would then purchase me a pair of pajamas to wear. So I get her something that is actually sort of I guess cute in a weird kind of way. It would Sarah, they'd be cuter if it wasn't freaking like a hundred degrees in there and they weren't like thick cotton. Oh. Sarah buys me Sarah oh. buys me these bright pink like strawberry shortcake type pajamas. So there are so they have like little they're like capri pants and like roughly shirt things. I look like I'm about to go digging for clams on Fire Island. That's really I mean that really was the upshot of the pajamas. So if there's gonna be a bunch of photographs of me that are on the web today 
If you look all over the internet, internet, there's not going to be it's not going to be too difficult to find a pair of uh, a set of photos of me in a I'll post pink one on your pair of pajamas. Yeah. So Caver and Janice, um, who were two of our uh, two of two of our incredibly hot listeners that came out to uh, hang out with Sarah yesterday, they uh, they got many many photographs. Yeah, Caver and Janice, so. and they had a friend with them too, and they were so cool. They were really cool. But as I was coming by the station, I had to drive through downtown to get on the highway, and that Obama thing just went everywhere. I mean, it was just massive. So anyway, we'll have more about that. Uh, let's see. Well, let's just get a couple of these calls. We'll break. We'll come back. Uh, let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Is this the entertainer of the year? Well, that's the rumor. How can I how can I help you, uh, Miss? Well, um, this is Kay, and I was in the very intimate town hall that Hillary had at Kay. Intimate is that what they're calling it? Well, that's what I call it, and I thought you would like a complete report on her grooming, as you seem yes. to uh, dwell on that on and off. I just love the intimate. It's like in Spinal Tap, where the guy goes, "Well, the band's appeal is becoming more selective." Yes, um, and we did get free water from her uh, handler. <laughs> here, here, here it is, Rick. She's about um, five foot five, five uh-huh. six. She was there. You are right. There was not a hair out of place. That she's got like robo hair. I mean, it's it's a little unnerving. It's almost like it. It's almost like the hair is its own sentient life being that they have grown somewhere in a tank and then that is molded onto her head. It's true. And the back was perfectly straight line. Of no, course. no wispies. No nothing. No. She had. Um, she's she's really very beautiful, and she has piercing blue eyes. Uh, I'm sure she was airbrushed because of the high depth, so I could see no wrinkles, and I was looking. The thing, you know, would you would you agree with my assessment here uh, about oh, Hillary? Makeup is kind of a spray-on thing. Yes, yeah, spray-on makeup, like right? Skin. Now, yeah. is, the, is it true that they've created a whole different line of makeup yeah. because of HD television? I've used it before. Yes, really? They have. And something yes. I can't talk about, but they they spray it on to you, and it kind of like sticks to you. It's kind of Almost like rubber. I gotta get me some of that, just like for everyday use. <laughs> the gun only costs like five hundred bucks. For the next listener party. Really, but I mean, it, but it's really heavy duty. It's just to cover. Is it just to fill in every line and every wrinkle? I'll find it I for think you. it does. Yeah. But she looked really. Um, she she looked refreshed. Would you say this? Would you agree that Hillary Clinton, the best word to describe her, she's a handsome woman? Very much so. That's ex- that's a great description. I wouldn't say that she's hot, except in some weird fetish type sense, uh, which is how I'm attracted to her. But 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 she is she's a, she's a uh, she's a pleasant looking woman. I would say she has a pleasing look to her. And you know what struck struck the most about uh, the most about it is that when you hear her in front of a large audience, she comes off as being very strident. But in that kind of a setting where she was carefully mic'd, there were only 150 people there on bleachers. Her voice was very conversational, and we didn't mind it at all. I would say that the, the, the Hillary's sort of the tone of voice, the sort of I must rule the entire world under my iron boot tone of voice, increases in direct proportion to the audience size to which she is speaking. You know what I mean? Yes. So it's like the more people, people in a room. That they have a microphone when they're outside. And I, think, and I think the larger the crowd, the more you just sort of hear the ride of the Valkyries playing in the background every time she speaks to somebody. So, excellent. Now, were you there because you were Hillary? 
gallery supporter or just because you wanted to scope out the scene? Well, I was there because a friend of mine asked me to be a seat filler, and I thought it was a once-in-a-lifetime <laughs> oh, opportunity. So Did you get the $80 in the box of lunch? <laughs> <laughs> There's no payola involved there, Tim. Now you filler. know. <laughs> I was a seat filler for Hillary. One woman's shocking confession. But it was it all was right. worth it, you know, and and, and she Experience. was just so slick. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much. Well, thank you for giving us the update, Kate. We appreciate it. Well, you're the first one I had to call. Thank Bye-bye. you. All right. Excellent. Oh, speaking of seat fillers, I just got an email from my sister, and she got to be a seat filler at some fancy schmancy, uh, like, Broadway theater awards thing. And guess who was there? I have no idea. They had the celebrities presenting. Well, celebrities presenting. David Arquette. Bill Pullman. Oh, of course. She gets to see Bill Pullman, Lawrence Fishburne, Marissa Tomei, and the mom from Life Goes On. You know, can I tell you, I'm amazed that we haven't gotten Bill Pullman on this show yet. Richie, you got to get us Bill we Pullman. We haven't tried. Get me Bill Pullman. All right. So, Tim, as you're showing me this makeup airbrushing gun here, by the way, that is fantastic. Now, how noticeable is this airbrush makeup in real life? Like, if you were wearing it now, would it be really obvious? If you were sitting right next to me, yeah. All right. But on camera, you can't. It also takes, like, ten years off Really? Yeah. So it just fills in every crevasse in your face? Yeah. As a matter of fact, if you if uh, you go to my webpage, there's a picture of me in the corner from a TV pilot, and uh-huh. I'm wearing that. I'm going there right now, and then we'll take a break. We'll come back with Lisa Desjardins. In fact, we should probably break now. Let's break. We'll come back after this. Uh, more of your phone calls. If you're on hold, hang tight. We'll get to you uh, just a, a few. Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth, Peter Carlin, and the top five songs trashy girls sing to try to look sexy at karaoke. Stay right there. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. By the way, this internal email about the uh, pajama bowl things yesterday. Pajama bowl thing, things. One of those days where I can't quite get the plural singular thing down in my head. $28,000. That's how we roll. Awesome. All right. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. Portland, Oregon. CNN radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello, and how are you today? Hello, I am great. Uh, how are you? I am. Uh, I'm okay. I was just telling Sarah that I'm still. It's. I feel good, but I still just got a little bit of that residual exhaustion uh, from last week. And yeah. I know that you are the last person on earth to whom I should be talking about being tired because you had to go to that mass of swirling humanity that was downtown yesterday. How about it? I mean, really, the you know, we, we talked about this earlier that I was walking along uh, the line to see how long it was, and at some point I realized that I needed my car yeah, the, to it, actually it just, get to the end of the crowd. It just stretched on, I mean, just uh, uh, like an endless sort of human snake in every conceivable direction yesterday. Which is, <laughs> and I think they said this is, I mean, this is far and away like the biggest crowd he's he's drawn, certainly in the election cycle, isn't it? That's right. It's the largest crowd that we've seen this election season for anyone. And we're trying to figure out if any primary politician has ever seen a larger crowd in U.S. history. That we don't know because, you know, the, those crazy 1890s, people couldn't get enough of their politicians. But, <laughs> but we, it, it, it is up there in one of the largest uh, election crowds of all time. I mean, and I know that I live in Portland, so I'm supposed to be the guy that has the answer to this. But, I mean, is there any... Has anybody really come out and said exactly why there were so many people turning out for a guy who already kind of has it in the bag? I, I think there were, I think my, just anecdotally talking to people down there, I think there were two factors. I, I think this town is very progressive, very liberal, and has really wanted, has been, is pretty angry about 
uh, that doesn't like how politics has gone in the last eight years and has been wanting to have a say. I think there are a lot of people that have been looking for a chance to get involved, to have a reason to go to a park and cheer for someone. And I, I think that's one factor. And I, I think another is that Oregon, of course, hasn't had an influence in a primary campaign, really going back to RFK. But I think the second big reason is that, uh, honestly, your transportation system downtown <laughs> made it very easy for people to come to get there. I always say we do have one of the finest public transportation uh, systems in the city that I've, I've ever seen anywhere. And it is our one bright, shining, golden moment of quasi-relevance. <laughs> so. it, it is. And I, I think that even if, you know, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow with the voting, I do think that uh, Oregon's vote will be important mm -hmm. But even those who don't think it's important, now you've got this record-setting rally, and uh, you, you, you can consider yourselves proud. There is also something to be said for the fact that, uh, you know, nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd and so forth and blah, blah. But that this time, you know, everybody is sort of there, maybe, maybe not in spite of the fact that Obama has it in the bag, but maybe because he has it in the bag. And there is this, I think, maybe some sort of a palpable vibe that, at least this time, uh, they're backing a guy who might have a shot at winning as opposed to, you know, just that sort of weird deflated sense that everybody had about John Kerry, where, mm. you know, as as John, as, as somebody, as as Arthur Miller says about Willie Loman in Death of a Salesman, uh, John Kerry was liked but not well-liked. And, <laughs> and Obama does have, there's a, there, there is a little golden halo of magic around that guy right now. There is, even, you know, I tell you, it, it isn't too hard to draw a, dem a Democratic crowd in Portland. John Kerry brought out 45,000, and as you say, people, you know, weren't goo-goo-gaga over him. At the same time, I have to say, I noticed yesterday that while there, it was clearly a massive crowd, huge passion for uh, this campaign and this candidate, there, there were some undecided voters there, and there were even some Hillary Clinton voters who were there who, who came just to be part of the moment, but overall, the crowd it was fascinating, even though it was so much larger than any other crowd I've seen or that Barack Obama had seen. I have to say there wasn't that kind of Elvis-like frenzy that I'm used to seeing around Barack Obama. Even the Decemberists were playing, you know, they were, they were the warm-up act, and they even had sort of a hard time getting the crowd to respond to them. And, and even Barack Obama, he, he really wasn't the wild sort of rancor that you that you get at these events even though the crowd was so much longer it's so much uh larger it almost felt like the crowd you could you could look at it a couple ways it is your west coast laid-back crowd uh that that folks have been hanging out there almost some of them picnicking for a while uh, or that it's a thinking crowd whatever it was it wasn't that emotional frenzy that i that i usually see with barack obama it was a very high level of excitement and enthusiasm but usually it just reached this sort of Beatles level that I didn't get yesterday, and I was surprised. We were uh, we're talking yesterday. Was it was it? Were you telling me yesterday there was something about the Decemberists who were, I don't know, tr trying to see Obama or trying to meet him or something, and then it, like like not even those guys they weren't even able to pull it together. They, you know, I I can only tell. I, I'm pretty sure that they were not. I I watched as the Decemberists left the stage and went backstage, and I followed around there to the corner and watched it. They, they were. They, you could tell some of them were were almost giddy. They were separated and it, it, they were just standing there in the middle of the roadway waiting to meet Barack Obama and it looked like they they had been told hey stand here guys he's going to come over to you and Barack Obama was was slowly working his way through the crowd that was gathered kind of behind stage you know crowd that couldn't get a view but had come there because they couldn't get into the park I guess he's working the crowd his SUV is following him the December are so excited and then 
so slowly he kind of passes by the point where he would turn to go over to where they were, and you know, one of the band members went over and talked to somebody and came back, and they all sort of shuffled, <laughs> shuffled backstage. And it, it was very sad. Now, maybe they ended up meeting him somewhere later, I don't know, for a jam session. I'm not sure, but they, at least after the December left, as I told you, the one good thing is they did have – uh, many of their own fans waiting at the stage. It's almost them. perfect, though, if the Decembers didn't get to meet him, because then it's just, you can sort of see, like, some sad little shoegazing alternative boys sort of shuffling sadly off to the dressing room and sort of sitting there reading J.D. Salinger and then weeping to themselves. So it's a perfect picture. It has that kind of feel to it, yeah. It was, I was almost sad. I, I almost kind of was living through the Decembers at that moment, and I sort of felt like, oh, <laughs> as well. All right, and just, and, and, and uh, you are... Uh, so you are here through Tuesday or until when? When yeah. are you leaving? I'm here until Wednesday, until and my my flight leaves Wednesday, right around noon. So I will I will be able to talk to you I think from the airport. So if, you, if people like filled your head full of stuff that you got to do while you're in Portland, uh, you know actually I'm disappointed not so much. Really? Because that was we actually on Friday we were so kind of busy recapping uh, right. uh, the, the event and the listener party and the yeah. roast and we didn't really get a chance to do the uh, we were going to do sort of a high concept like what's the one thing Lisa must do while she's in Portland but I am um, <laughs> um, have you gone? I still have time. Yeah. So well, you know throw some stuff at me. It's, the next couple of days are going to be a little dicey. Because you because, got the uh, primary. Uh, you know, doing the yeah doing the gym group uh, you know since your primary results coming in. 8 p.m. tomorrow night. I'll be, you know, I'll be getting up essentially at 3 a.m. here this time, have you know, you, West Coast time, and doing, you know, doing live shots all the way. Have you yet gone to Powell's books? No, I haven't. And honestly, that was on the top of my list. I, I know it's they're a sponsor, and so I don't want to sound uh, like I'm, you know, being cheesy here just because they're a sponsor. But that was really on my list of things. All right. Well, do. you know what? Uh, we'll we'll track you down later today, and uh, okay. we'll uh, we'll we'll toss some other ideas your way. Okay. That's all perfect. right. All right, Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the rest of your uh, Portland afternoon, and we apologize for the heat. Normally, it's very temperate. Oh, you can't. I'm from, I'm from Washington, D.C. is a giant swamp. This is fantastic. Excellent. We will talk to you very soon, Lisa. Thank you. Okay, great. There you go. In Portland, Oregon, ladies and gentlemen, Lisa Yay. Desjardins. Fantastic. Wonderful. Excellent. All right, Steve Kastenbaum uh, joining us later on today. Peter Carlin, uh, who will be uh, speaking with us about all things uh, televisionistic. Um, we've also got the top five. Top five uh, songs that trashy girls sing at karaoke to try to look sexy. How many are we at now? How many have we got on the list? Three. Wait, let me, can I see the list for a second? Yes. Just hold that up there. there. We had four, but one Three. of them. Mm-hmm. I can, no, no, no. I think, I think this one, I think the one you crossed off could still work. Yeah. Because it's sort of a, it's like an aggressive sexy. Yeah, it's like, like hey, an I'm, a, like I'm a hick. Empowered, <laughs> it's hick, it's empowered sexy. It's hick sexy. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, I will put, I'll put that back on. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Um, I don't know. We got four there. I don't know. It, it, there's a whole bunch of sort of fighting for space. What is that? Um, what is that? I'm going to mute my mic for a second. Okay. What is that one? Is Maybe not. Maybe that's not one. I don't know. I don't... Uh, it seems like there's something like that song that's just... That I'm just sort of... I don't know. I'll think of it. Oh, my gosh. I just thought of one. Which is? Mike's off. All right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Right. I've seen girls do that, too, and it is embarrassing. And they try to do, like, the dance to it, too. Ooh, oh. what about... Oh, wait. I got one more, and then we'll... Uh, and then, and then we'll stop doing that. Get these calls, and then we'll talk to... Uh, Let's see. No, 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 no. Never mind. Okay. All right. 
I are on the. We're gonna, but later on, we will be doing that. The uh, the top five uh, songs that trashy girls sing at karaoke to try to look hot. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hello, Mr. Emerson. My name's Jesse. I'm Hello, sir. I'm that Lisa railed against on uh, Friday about being from Maryland. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm sorry? Remember how Lisa doesn't dislike folks yeah, from she, Maryland? She dislikes Maryland, but I didn't realize that her dislike ran so deep. Yeah, no, so, she's got, apparently, I, you know, the thing is, everybody's got to have somebody else to ridicule. Everybody yeah, else I, must have someone of whom to make fun, and for Lisa uh -huh. Desjardins, it is Maryland. You know, and I understand that, and the drivers are crappy, and I enjoy being from there. Um, I don't want to move back there. Well, that's so. a, that's where you have, you know, you're glad. That's you... like Bremerton. I I love Bremerton for what it is. But I I never want to live there. You're ever. glad that you don't live there any longer. <laughs> right. That's true. Fair and enough, uh, my yes, friend. we uh, yeah, we would have called in on Friday, but uh, my girlfriend and I left at Odark thirty to go camping the very next morning, after the listener party. Oh. Uh, uh, hung over and all dragging our asses out to the car and then out to Mount Hood. Yeah, I bet that was a lot of fun. Um, well, not so much, <laughs> but uh, after some viso, more of everything good, um, I felt much better. Thank you, sir. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was a great party. And, uh, oh, yeah, and the AM970 glass that I was given while I was standing outside in that monstrous line that went around the goddamn building. Which I didn't, you know, and that's, of course, one of the, the, the little benefits of, of being us is that, you know, we were sort of inside and we didn't, uh -huh. you know, we didn't have to stand in the line to get in, obviously. As Paul Stanley True. would say, we came in the back way. Yeah, but, it um, was a, it was actually amazing, the guy that uh, that called in on Friday and talked about it. It was cool, but I don't know if anyone realized that it went from the from the outside, uh, from the door, around the building, around again, into the parking lot. It wended its way through the parking lot, back out of the parking lot again, and then back down the block. Jesus. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, I got one of the AM970 glasses with the oh-so-sexy... I think there were some people who had who had uh, they had heard Richie and we talk about this and then we move on. We have Steve Cash. I'm here to talk about. It. So yeah, I understand. Richie had revealed last week <laughs> that when Entercom fired him, uh, that and I think when they fired us, actually, he had just stashed all of the old Max 910 stuff in his garage, thinking at some point that it would be worth something. And so he just he just has all that stuff apparently in his garage or his basement or something. And I guess some people yeah. had sort of expressed interest in that. So he had shown up with some of the old like Max Nine Ten crap uh, yeah. on Thursday and then again on Sunday at the at the bowling thing. So yeah. the funny thing was he came by and he actually gave it to my girlfriend. And I immediately made the the sound of the McRib is back. Yeah. And my girlfriend did say a thing and she turned and just handed it right to me. I try to avoid the um, phrase Richie came by and gave it to my girlfriend. Well, though, I, well I'm not going to talk about the thing that he was carrying around before he started handing out the stuff um but right. uh are we allowed to wash that with soap is it going to dissolve i mean how cheap is it oh anything from intercom <laughs> is incredibly the cheap from from their, their right. cups in a match bowl, badly so. made all right thank you sir there you go there's that guy all right oh speaking of which so i think i'm gonna take this one out that's what i'm all right. trying to okay all right, I can see that. If you want to, if you want to replace it with the other one, there has to be, there has to be something. All right, uh, we will be doing the top five uh, songs that trashy girls sing at karaoke uh, to try to make themselves look sexy. By the way, just speaking of Richie and trying to look sexy, so we should talk very briefly about about the bowling thing yesterday. We already mentioned that you know you had the sock monkey pajamas, and I have these like pink strawberry shortcake type pajamas. There's you they were, know a bunch of great listeners there and everybody you know whatever. But then Richie and I don't know if we have photographs of the way Richie was dressed. Richie had this outfit on I mean I don't even know how to describe it. It was like some weird sort of I mean he he was it was like some sort of like Arabian like Arabian chic and I don't mean chic C H I C I mean like S H E I K or however you spell that. It was he was wearing a dress. He was, he was wearing a dress but he was pretending that it was a nightgown or something. But it wasn't. It had zippers like a dress. It had like 
um, whatever that the certain stitching is, you know, like <sighs> like old fashioned polyester dresses, like the around the like boob area. I think he was. I think he was trying to pass it off, though. You're right, as some sort of like a uh, like an old timey sort of nightshirt thing. Like you always see, like you know, you see the old like uh, the things where the guy has the nightshirt and then the nightcap, and then he has the, he's always holding the candle with the little the little finger ring on it. So he was trying to sort of play it off like it was that. But at one point, I looked over and Richie was just full on like unzipping the front of his pajamas and like yep. showing off his smooth hairless chest to everybody. And that that wasn't even the most unnerving moment. The most unnerving moment of the whole pajama bowl was when Richie came up to me. Like, for no reason. He just came up out of the blue, and he came up, and he goes, he leaned in really close so that only I could hear him, and he look, he looks me right in the eye, and he goes, you know, this is a woman's dress. And then he just keeps, like, unbroken eye contact with me until I finally just had to, like, it was like a staring contest. I and, like, he was wearing the, the scarf in his hair. I, I really fully believe he's he's, he's <laughs> transforming into a woman. That's what you said yesterday. Yeah, you said I Richie do. is becoming a woman. Because he's, like, he's starting to get out of his comfort zone a little bit, and he's like, all right, oh, these people accept me for who I am. You think he's taking baby steps towards transitioning into his new life? Yeah. All right. Uh, so there was that, and then there was some, on, some there was an awkward moment. I know that we have these... Revelations about Richie on an almost daily basis. Now, this is the last one I'll say. We're going to hold ourselves to a three awkward revelations about Richie uh, per per week limit from now on. But th the worst moment of all for me yesterday was not Richie. I mean, I know that we've said this a million times, but what is what is up with that guy and his constant? I mean, I know he's a little bit of an exhibitionist, but I mean, there is he does seem to have. Look, I mean, nobody's on the radio because they wish to be anonymous. I mean, nobody's on the radio. I mean, everybody, you know, you go onto the radio or the whatever. Everybody likes to be, you know, get a little attention and whatnot. It seems to be a whole different kind of attention with Richie, though, I guess is my point. So at one point, he was unzipping his sort of pajamas. Yes, I saw that. And then he was, you know, but did you see that moment where he was bent over? No. There was, well, you know, there's the ball return where, you know, where the balls come shooting back up and then they, and then they, they stack them in the thing. But he's bent over the ball return. And he's got, like, one hand on the ball return, oh, and he's bent over, and he's looking back over his shoulder, and then he's, like, smacking his ass at us. I mean, it was a whole lot of, like, as though he were both the pony and the rider. I mean, it was all very, it was all very unnerving. I don't all even right. know how to respond to that. I, have, I, I don't either. Let's take a break here. We'll come back after this. Tim Riley kicks off the new news hour when we return. Uh, your phone calls at 503 733 Later on, top five and Peter Carlin as well. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, CNN Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, the Oregonian Peter Carlin, and today's top five. Top five songs that trashy girls sing to try to look hot at karaoke. This, however, is your personal savior, Tim Ryan. for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So Bill and Chelsea were able to roam around without much of a problem this weekend. <laughs> they didn't even was, need security. They really didn't. Uh, so they made a special appearance at Mother's Bistro. They also ended at a cafe on Northwest 21st. So they stopped by the uh, restaurant for lunch. 
during a break with their busy weekend. <laughs> Uh, there was a 20-minute wait to get a table, so several people were standing outside when the Clinton showed up. Camera phones came out, pedestrians crossed the street to get a look, so they, they have it around. So where, well, but the question is, so where was Hillary yesterday? Oh, not here. <laughs> she's in Kentucky. Is that true? Yeah. Why? Well, because they think she's going to win there. But, I mean, why, why be in Kentucky if you're already, I guess these would be questions for Lisa, but, I mean, if you're already going to win in Kentucky... I guess maybe she figures that not only is she not going to win here, but she's going to lose by so much mm-hmm. that there really is no point. Uh, and it is, it, it, it's sort of interesting, don't you think, that at, at a certain point, because there was a time when Bill was sort of the heavy gun, right? right. Uh, you know, that if you really wanted to make an impact somewhere, you send Bill Clinton in. Like, Hillary's fine. I mean, yeah, sure, Hillary has her fan base, but Bill is the guy you send in when you really need to get the job done. And now... It's become kind of the opposite. We're here in, in, in Oregon where they're just writing it off. They know that Obama's just going to hose them. Then they just send in Bill and Hillary who are sort of, you know, sort of like the, the, sort of the warm-up act, I suppose, or Bill and Chelsea, uh, rather. Chelsea looks really short. I don't know how tall she is, but she looks like a little thing. You know, well, uh, Hillary, uh, can't get any names right today. Sarah was saying that Chelsea uh, actually looked really good uh, while she was here. Well, from the pictures that I've seen of her that people really? have sent me. All right. So, I mean... You know, so I guess Bill and Chelsea are sort of, you know, like sending out the Zeppo and Shemp uh, of the Clinton household. And meanwhile, meanwhile, Hillary, did you see that quote from her this morning where she said, let's see, I'm reading this from the Associated Press, Hillary to Obama, there's no nominee yet. So, I mean, you, I mean, it is the most American of, it is the most American of traits, though. Just that absolute defiance in the face of certain defeat and overwhelming odds. Good for you, Hillary. So Lisa pretty much uh, covered quite a bit of uh, the general feeling of what was going on there yesterday. On the waterfront. This reporter was there also, and uh, let's see, we do have a few sound bites from there, do we? Not? Yes, we do. Hold on, let me uh, let me load those up here. So now I make no promises about about uh, about these. I had to uh, I took these right off that player and I put them in okay. here. And this, I... by the way, ladies and gentlemen, is the first time that we've used this newfangled contraption that costs lots of money. Yes, it's a, the digital audio recorder. It's the same one that Lisa has. Is yes, it, it is. All right. So this is our first time using it. All right. So I've loaded these into the... Uh, okay, I have the four that you sent me. Okay, so the first one is uh, Barack Obama. A- absolutely uh, beside himself. Very happy. Is this called B-Final? Uh, no. Or Obama you... won? Uh, Obama won. The crowd was enthusiastic. Well, this is, it's one of those things where the, the crowd is actually so loud. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you know that, I mean, and that's, it's not like Obama's far away. I can hear that he's... Where were you, like, in relation to him? Oh, boy. I was in the press area, which was fairly close. I was closer than the average crowd, but... Most of the sound, of course, is coming from the back of it. Actually, and so now that actually raises another question, because I, of course, wasn't there, and I know that poor Joni wasn't able to get in either. But, Joni, it's, I had sent her, I think she had sent me a text from the line or something, and, and then I had sent something back about, like, you know, good, good luck getting to see Obama. And she was like, screw that, I'm just here to see the Decembrists. But I don't think that happened either. So, my, so okay, so let's, let's back up. Where was, in terms of the park, okay, where was everything happening? The Decembrists played on stage. Now... To, if you if you made like an L-shaped move, past the stage and took a right, that's where this podium was set up for Barack Obama. All right. So he is facing the crowd this way. The stage is over here. 
to the right. Because there's just such a swirling sea of humanity there. It's just blocking out all of the landmarks in the park, and I can't figure out where anything was taking place. That's correct. All right. So he is, if you know where the stage was, uh, go like in an L-type move. Right, right. Uh, because they had this whole area behind him cleared out. You can see it in some of the pictures. They did this very well. Yeah. I don't know how they pulled it off, but they did. Well, they must have. I mean, and you know, when Lisa was here on Friday, she was saying that the security that she sees around Obama is just unreal. Uh, that the amount oh, yeah. of people who sort of, you know, his own personal secret service and bodyguards or whatever. I mean, and they don't really talk about it. That's a thing they don't really. I don't think it's really spoken of very openly, but there's got, I would imagine there's got to be three times the security on him mm-hmm. that there is certainly on Hillary, uh, even when Bill is with her or on any other candidate, because he draws so much attention, uh, like way more than any of the other two candidates. I, I mean, the police bureau did a fantastic job. Don't ask me what kind of special training they go you know, through for this, right. but they did everything correctly. It is really interesting, by the way, that uh, I think it was on... Um, Jesus, it would have been... The days are all... Is anybody else having this problem where the days have all kind of blurred together over the last week or so? For the past couple of weeks, time has just flown by. It's flown by, but at the same time, I can't differentiate one day or night from another. Yep. So it would have been on Friday, maybe, when Hillary was supposed to be here and then just kind of pulled the plug at the last moment. Because I think Aaron had sent me a text. And Aaron was like, because his, you know, the geek in the city offices are right now the, the Hillary Clinton headquarters. And Aaron had sent me a text saying, hey, by the way, uh, it looks like there are cops all over Hillary's campaign headquarters. I think she might be planning to stop by. And he knows that I got, like, the whole thing for Hillary. So he said, you might want to stop by and say hello. Um, it, it, but then it turns out later that, was, again, what did they do? They, they sent Bill and Chelsea. It was sort of like, hey, Hillary can't be bothered to be here. So now, Shemp. And, you know, and Hillary, meanwhile, was in Salem, of all places. So... Um, but it's interesting that there was just no demonstrable buzz about the fact that Hillary was coming through Oregon. But again, there's you know, the Obama thing. So, I mean, I can't. Did anybody anticipate, do you think, that there was going to be 75,000 people? Yes, if not more. I, I think they were ready for at least 100,000. Jesus. I mean, I, hey, for a hot day, you know, this was like the hottest weekend. Yeah. I'm surprised that a lot more people didn't keel over. But, I mean, you know, it is it's, it is kind of a testament to the city and how prepared they were for it that you didn't. I mean, it, I don't think there wasn't any sort of, wasn't any sort of violence or there wasn't any right. sort of, like, arrests or anything that happened. And as Lisa was saying, you know, the crowd was kind of subdued. But I think if it had been a little bit cooler and weather that everyone around here is used to. Oh, yeah. Well, they, I mean, they may have been a little more exuberant. But, how you know, 90-degree temperatures. How excited can you be when you're busy and, sweating and no to death? Trees. No trees. And they're all standing up. You know, these people aren't sitting. They're all standing up together. That's it's true. like a giant mosh pit. <laughs> So uh, our second cut is uh, actually him saying something uh, nice about Hillary. She has been smart and tough and determined, and she has worked as hard as she can. And she has run an extraordinary campaign. Well, that's the closing bell right there, too. When he, you know, she's really done a great. She's a great gal. Let's give her a hand, ladies and gentlemen. She's done the best she could do. And the party is trying to prepare everyone for yeah. the inevitable. Yeah. Now, do you believe? Do you believe when you say the inevitable? Do you believe the joint ticket? Never happened. You don't think so? No. I, 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 I just think they're gonna throw the old Democratic Party under the bus. Yeah, which is which at this point is Bill and Hillary definitely. Be, because most of the new voters, you know, didn't sign up to be a part of that old party. Well, and it's. It, I was actually talking with somebody about this the other day that I was. Uh, I was saying who was it? I, was, I think it was Chris Neven I was talking to, and and I said that you know that it, it's interesting to me that Bill and Hillary Clinton are considered at this point such. A part of the of the establishment of the party apparatus, because 
And I, it makes me sound old when I when I remember when, but I mean it was only 15 years ago. Yeah. I mean it was 1992 when when Bill Clinton got elected, and it seemed so revolutionary at the time. I mean I don't know if you remember where were you the night that Bill Clinton got elected in 92. Oh, I can't remember. I well I had to be in California somewhere. I was I was working at a radio station in Washington State, and I remember we were all there just staying late. And I don't think I had I don't think I had a television at my house, uh, and so I was and so I had to if I ever wanted to watch TV I had I was one of those sad DJs who you would come in on like a Thursday night, uh, and I would just be sitting there like in the newsroom watching television because I had no TV at my house. So if there's anything I wanted to watch, I had to come and do it at work. So I was um, there late on election night. And it was that moment that you've now seen replayed a billion times where uh, Bill Clinton was at the governor's mansion, I think, in Arkansas. And they were doing the, you know, the don't stop thinking about tomorrow. And he was saying, you know, thank you. You've made, you've run a different kind of campaign or whatever. And it just felt like such a, to use the tire cliche, just such a breath of fresh air sweeping in. Because Bill Clinton seemed so young and so vibrant. And certainly compared to Bush 41, who seemed like a thousand years old at that time. Bill Clinton just seemed like a new wave of politics. Um, and so I think it was Chris Sneath and I was talking to, and I said, you know, it's strange that the, you know, that the kids are so anti-Bill and Hillary. And he pointed out that really the deal with this group of, of voters, the young group of voters now, is that they've really never known a president but George W. Bush. And they never voted. Yeah. I mean, this is, so you've got the two things. You've got the excitement of the very first vote you'll ever cast, which is, you know, pretty palpable for some people, right. and the fact that they have really, if you assume those voters are, let's say, 20 years old right now, let's say as a mean, the young voters, if you assume the average age is 20 years old, that means they really, since they started to become aware of the world around them, they have only ever known. Imagine how sad that is. The only world they've ever known is one where George W. Bush is president. Jesus, that's enough to motivate you right there. So that's who these kids are that are turning up for this. So let's see. Our next one is, uh, let's say, I think it's his final or something like that. Um, we're not going to go through the whole sum speech because you've already heard it or seen it somewhere else. So here he is summing it all up before he leaves. Oh, no. Nope. nope. Jesus. That's what you heard. I can't even I'm gonna play that one more time just so we can appreciate that crowd noise there. And of course, they had wow. to play the song. Uh, yeah, Stevie Wonder. So that should give you appreciation of how loud the crowd was. Now is that the largest? Is that the largest political crowd you've ever been in? Yes, oh, definitely. Yeah. And, and that is, and, and and now, now I have to ask this because you are from the East Coast, so I am obligated to ask. Obama, the Kennedy Five or not? Oh yeah, really? You think so? I mean, the Democrats. Let's face it, the, the Democrats would prefer Barack Obama because he has that Kennedyness. Yeah. That they wanted for so long, and the the Kennedy before, you know, Barack. Was the first term Bill Clinton? That's true. Now they because he had that sort of weird, the, the kind of that sex appeal and the magnetism and the charisma. So it's uh, it is it is worth noting that he does have 
sort of he has a what Stephen uh, Stephen what uh, Stan Freeberg would call a, a gazinkus, yeah. which is and the gazinkus is the that that was his sort of catchphrase for the intangible, undefinable personal magnetism that just gets people excited. And, you know, whatever one may think, the, here's the damnable misery about Hillary Clinton is that she's just so unbelievably competent, but there's really nothing less compelling or sexy than competence. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like simple competence and ability really excites no one. It's like having a really good accountant. You know, we're going to go, ah, he's really, he's a fantastic certified public accountant. But nobody really, uh, you know, nobody really gets themselves in a tizzy about that. So, you know, and it's funny, a few months back, we're all saying, why should we have an election? Hillary's going to be president anyway. I mean, well, we not, were both saying that. 90 days ago, it seemed, it, I think actually before, I think it was just like three and a half months ago that they started rolling out all these primaries. Uh, and it all, we will now look back and say that it all started with uh, with Iowa, because that Iowa caucus is the first place that Hillary kind of got her, her ass handed to her. Uh, Rick. My wife and I were standing in the crazy giant anaconda-like line on Sunday to see Barack Obama. There was a commotion that sprung up behind us near the Heathman Hotel. Seconds later, a stealth-looking black SUV drove down Salmon Street next to us and the thousands of others standing on the sidewalk. Leaning out the window in all of his white-haired, ruby-nosed glory was President Bill Clinton, waving and giving that weird, retarded half-thumbs-up sign that he loves so much. I can only imagine what was going through his mind as he passed by all the Obama supporters on his way to some completely useless campaign stop for his wife. In the SUV behind him was Chelsea, or at least I think it was Chelsea. It was hard to tell as the heavily tinted windows were up and concealing her no-doubt weeping body. Uh, so... And I mean, so Hillary yeah. and, and anyone who's anyone always says that the heat men when they're in town. And how many people would you say were at that at that Hillary town hall? I mean, hundred maybe. maybe. I mean, I can't even. <laughs> I just nobody I, talked about it. No. After it was done, and it was you know it was on at a bad time. There were people still stuck in traffic at that time of the night. Yep. So and it doesn't really. I mean, it didn't really uh, benefit her uh, that she had this sort of weird hand-picked studio audience, too, as opposed to Barack Obama, who just by dint of having it in the park, there was this sort of vibe of, like, come one, come all. I mean, he has that uh, that sense of community that people really that people really appreciate. And, and you don't have to beg Portlanders to get you know, in touch with any kind of politician. No. No. Uh, all right. So that's that part. Uh, then today he goes back on TV. He's on GMA. Talking about Barack Obama, and he says, uh, "Lay off my wife." The GOP should I be the nominee? I think can say whatever they want to say about me, my track record. If they think that they're going to try to make Michelle an issue in this campaign, uh, they should be careful. So here's a part of this Tennessee Republican Party okay. ad. For the first time in my adult lifetime, I'm really proud of my country. Boy, I've been proud to be an American since I was a kid. I'm proud of this country each and every day. Whatever. Oh, yeah. All right. So those ruffians down there were just trying to cause trouble. Uh, so let's talk about Oregon's voting. Early voting in Oregon is up as voting officials prepare to spend all day tomorrow counting votes in statewide primaries. 28% of all ballots have been turned in already. And Oregon Secretary of State uh, Spokesman Scott Moore says it's interesting to see who is returning their ballots quicker. 37% of eligible Democratic voters have turned in their ballots so far. Uh, of eligible Republicans, only 27% have turned in their ballots. Do you suppose they know it's just there's no point? I mean, suppose if you're a Republican, you're just sort of, you know, you're already thinking, to, well, maybe in 2012. Maybe next time. So 28% of all ballots have been turned in. Not as good as in most uh, general elections, presidential general elections, but it's significantly better than in the, the last presidential primary. Would you not imagine that there's sort of a bell curve, though, where if you... 
when it's a close race or when it's not expected to be just a complete blowout, that's when you get probably, I would imagine, a large turnout because people get the sense that every single vote matters. Whereas if it's so heavily tilted either for you or against you, you know, whatever your party might be, that's when people just kind of go, well, screw it out. What's, what, what, what difference is one vote going to make? Which is, that might be kind of how it feels here, especially if you, if you are a Barack supporter or uh, a Hillary supporter. You might at this point figure that you just wash your hands of it because the decision's already made. And you didn't mail it in in time. So if it's still sitting here on your desk, take it in. You got like what? You can drop it off. You can drop it off in a lot of places. By 8 p.m. tomorrow. Is yeah. that the deal? Mm-hmm. So, all right. So every county has different places where you can drop it off. And don't forget our good friend Lisa Desjardins will be doing uh, primary coverage tomorrow, as will Tim Riley. Yes. Uh, so we'll be it's having the a full election team. Primary coverage. We should totally get a theme for that. I should, I should get we some. We don't have an election theme, and we need one. No, I can get one whipped up today, Tim. All right, let's do it. All right, I'll have that done. Uh, meanwhile, John McCain was on SNL. Uh, He's uh, trying to be funny here. This sketch uh, features no. John McCain sitting at a desk and speaking out against uh, pork barrel projects and runaway government spending. Good evening, my fellow Americans. I ask you, what should we be looking for in our next president? Certainly, someone who is very, very, very old. <laughs> and then he joked about uh, proposing a $160 million Department of Defense program to build a machine that jams gaydar. Whatever. Are you kidding me? Really? Yeah. That's the way to become president, John McCain. Make gay jokes. All right, here's Tim Riley. Ted Kennedy continues to be a patient at Mass General Hospital. He's awaiting test results that should be completed by tonight. He was rushed there yesterday from Cape Cod Hospital with a 76-year-old uh, distinguished gentleman was taking after uh, suffering possibly one or two seizures. So now they're saying he probably had more than one. Uh, Barack Obama, who Kennedy endorsed from the very beginning was campaigning, and he did have a chance to speak to the uh, Kennedys on the phone. He sounded great. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure he sounded great. He uh, sounded like his, his usual old self. Uh, so uh, my sense is that everybody's optimistic about uh, the prognosis. He sounded very medicated. Yeah, I'm sure he sounded like his old peppy self. Ted Kennedy, I don't think Ted Kennedy sounded good or healthy or well or stable or normal for about 25 years now, so... The all, ladies don't care. All, <laughs> no, they don't. It's all relative. The thing about Ted, have you noticed this, too, that as Ted Kennedy has gotten older, his his head has become a perfect square as he's aged. I mean, he really, I mean, let's just say what it is. I mean, I know he has the Kennedy mystique and charm and magic and vibe and whatever, but he's really, in terms of physical appearance, he got he got all the leftovers in terms of the Kennedy family. I mean, I would say that he is our least attractive Kennedy. So there's a, he he has become just just an almost perfect cube of a man as he has aged. Uh, Senator Clinton says Kennedy has been a champion for health care. And our thoughts and prayers are with him and his family because he has been a champion for health care. Nobody has fought harder to make sure everybody got good health care. And I know that we all joined together in wishing him well. Now I hate to I hate to, t- to keep dwelling on this, Tim, but yes. if I I must well because I must ask these things because. Time march. How old is Ted Kennedy now? Seventy-seven. So time time does continue to uh, time keeps on slipping, as Steve Miller would say. So, I mean, have the people in New England prepared themselves for the fact that someday Ted Kennedy will die? No. <laughs> I mean, are they it really? For those from there who don't live there anymore, uh, we're permanently brainwashed. Even though we live uh, thousands of miles away, but it. Uh, yeah, I try to prepare myself for the inevitable. And you steal yourself for it? 
Yeah. I mean, I just part of me is sort of making fun, but part of me isn't because it, because we don't. I don't think we have anybody here in the Northwest that's like that. No. I mean, I can't. I can't think of anybody. I mean, even not just in a political sense. Who would you say is the biggest celebrity in the Northwest right now? Tanya Harding. <laughs> <laughs> that can't possibly After be Lewis true. Lewis and Clark, but they've been dead. Just <laughs> <laughs> Lewis, Clark, Sacagawea, Tanya Harding. I mean. The, there's nobody else. No, but I mean, there's, I don't think there's anybody, there's really no big political players here in, no. the, in the Northwest. I don't, I, Sarah, who would you say is the biggest celebrity that is identified with the Northwest? And I don't mean just somebody who's famous who happens to live here, like that, like Byron, the chemical romance guy. Beck. <laughs> like living or dead? Uh, alive. Because I'm trying to figure, because would you agree that when Ted Kennedy... I would say maybe, I mean, Death Cab for Cutie's really big. Maybe Ben Gibbard? No. I I think they're I mean I've been to the East Coast and like they're huge over there too. In but the that, Northwest, like Washington, Oregon. Yeah, I mean I'm trying to uh, yeah, and not somebody like the My Chemical Romance guy who just sort of moved here because I'm trying to think of like when when this, when Ted Kennedy finally dies. I mean the entire the entire East Coast will just turn off for a week. I might have to take the day off. I mean, <laughs> sit at home covered in sackcloth and ashes. I mean it's. I, I mean, that's gonna. It'll be like the Pope dying, right? I mean, I mean, not that I'd wish him ill health. I mean, I wish him a long life and the best of health to whatever extent that's now possible for Ted Kennedy. Uh, but I mean, I mean, they're gonna close down. I, I can't even imagine a place like Boston. I can't even imagine what that'll be like. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to think if there's anybody who lives here in the Northwest who, when they when they pass, that it will have that kind of effect the way that a Kennedy dying on the East Coast would. And I just don't think there, there isn't is anybody. anybody of that caliber. There just no. isn't. I mean, and I would say that even in Los Angeles, even in California, I don't know that there is a single political figure that Arnold. has. Pardon me? Arnold? Yeah, there's Arnold, I suppose, but, but he kind of belongs to everybody. I mean, yeah. he sort of belongs to the whole country. I mean, the Kennedys are a unique phenomenon. Would you, they, to, do you, they are. To use the tired cliche, they are the closest we have to a royal family here. Would you not agree? Yes. All right. Um, anyway. No disagreement for me. No, it's true. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, I was just thinking Matt Groening would be the biggest celebrity in the Northwest. That's true. The East Coast has the Kennedys. We have uh, we have the Simpsons. That's All right. right. All right. Fair enough. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello. Hey, Rick. Is Danny? Hello. Hey, one thing you guys forgot to talk about, and maybe uh, Sarah, I think you said you were down at the Obama thing. All the bikes that were locked, for as far as you can see. About but people riding their bikes down there. It was I, pretty overwhelming. I had a ton of friends who rode their bikes down there, but I was doing the yeah. I wasn't able to make it because we were I doing mean, the thousands. pajama drive thing. Yeah, it wouldn't. It would. I mean, well, seventy-five thousand people. You figure even if even if a tenth of those people bicycled, it was, uh, and that's almost eight thousand bicycles. It was overwhelming to see everything they could possibly lock to. They did. It was so amazing, and I took my two daughters with me, and they were blown away. Uh, how old are your daughters? Six and nine. Now, is it? Did you take them because you are an Obama supporter, or because no. it was a historic moment for them? That and an opportunity to them for the, them to understand how important the time is right now with a a woman and an African American going for president. It is. I mean, that's the thing that we that has been in this Hillary versus Obama sort of fight has been so lost. Uh, it, not lost, but maybe not talked about recently is the idea that I mean, this is. No, I mean, anyone who went yesterday was an eyewitness to history in the making. That, that, no doubt about it. That really is true. And I was actually just thinking, it's so weird to when I was playing your your Obama sound bites just here, like the, uh, this right here. I was thinking that is one of those things that we will, you know, that you'll keep. You listen back, you're like, I was there. Like, yeah, that's... And, and think, you know, 
it, they're going to remember this, that day forever. Um, it was really important. Uh, one other thing for you, and I'll let you go. Yes, sir. Uh, by the way, I love your show. Thank you. Hey, I, was, I had to play that damn Alberta Street Fair Saturday. You know, they closed down Alberta, and they have bands playing. So like, a, like some sort of hippie fest? Oh, my God. So I'm in this uh, rockabilly band I'm playing for. They hired me. You think the first song we start playing, every hippie started doing that damn dance to rockabilly. <laughs> the and, one, that hippie dance that they uh, all do. Oh, yeah, where they can't move out of a square foot, and they do that hippie, shaky. Oh, it's amazing. I feel like uh, Sean and I at Woodstock the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best pop culture reference of the day. It was the worst. I was in this band called the Flapjacks, and we had the same thing. We always got stuck playing, like... Like out at Horning's Hideaway because everybody knew we'd bring a, uh, a draw and it was like the worst thing ever. The flapjacks, come on, best name come I've ever heard. And meet a real flapjack. <laughs> no, we were the real flapjacks. But anyways, great show. Thank, Thank you, guys. Thank you, sir. Bye. The flapjacks. That's so great. I don't know why that's so funny, but it is. Hello, we're the flapjacks. I'm the fifth flapjack. <laughs> You're trying not to boast about it. <laughs> You're the Murray the K of the flapjacks. Timmy the R. Uh. That's fantastic. The flapjacks. And I love the idea that a rockabilly band is suckered into playing some sort of hippie freak fest on Alberta, where he's right, where everybody's doing that one sort of Dave Matthews drunkenly and stonedly swaying back in place kind of thing. Um, all right. Well, fair enough. Uh, let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's, uh, what's up? Hello. Hello. I got a name for you of a Portland person, anyway, that might shut it down for Not a while. Not that we're wishing death on anybody, but no, we're just no, no, speculating. No. Yes. Not at all. And you, you guys haven't lived here, so you you probably wouldn't identify. But Bill Shonley, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Well, sports guys in general. And somebody noted, somebody noted, you know, the most famous person. I hadn't really thought about this. Somebody, the most famous person in the Northwest, uh, probably, and I should have thought of this, is Bill Gates. But even, you know, but Bill Gates just doesn't. There just isn't the same sort of cachet around that guy for some reason. Yeah, he'll invent so. something to live forever anyway. Yeah, all right. Thank hey, you. How about the listen party? Yes. Everybody should have a rock star moment in their life where they're in front of a crowd that just adores them, and I hope that was there for you guys. It was. Uh, it that was, was really exciting. I don't think any of us expected. It was our Barack Obama moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the other thing I wanted to get to say, and Rick, don't go creepy on me, but you know there are there are images of women in movies like. Uh, Audrey Hepburn in Breakfast at Tiffany's and uh, Anne Bancroft, The Graduate. Well, thank uh, you, sir. I spent a long time picking out that tux. Okay, hang on. <laughs> Sarah oh. did it. Oh, that, that vision is emblazoned. You were absolutely That was kind beautiful. of an Audrey Hepburn thing, I, yeah. now that you mention it. That, I can totally see that. Yeah, uh, that wasn't you know creepy I mean? at all. It makes me want to go to my 25th class reunion and say, hey, you Madonna wannabes and Pat Benatards, this is what you should have been doing. Tarts. All right. Thank you, my thank friend. You. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Yeah, I don't think any of us, just to go back to Thursday for a second, I don't think any of us, I mean, you know, people come to this, but we always say, like, we just never know. Uh, the idea that they actually had to turn people away from the Crystal Ballroom, which is a freaking barn, I mean, I just have no idea. I mean, I think when we first walked out on stage... Uh, you I know? thought that maybe people were confused and they thought something else. Was... <laughs> they thought Obama was going to be there. Yeah, they thought yeah. some like show was going to like <laughs> that. Honestly, crossed through my mind. I'm like, what are they all doing here? <laughs> Uh, all right. Is Ben Gibbard here? All right. Let's see. This is, oh, this, what is, number, that one, you don't, you don't understand, but it is. I was also going to put, uh, we're putting together the top five songs, uh, that trashy girls sing at karaoke to try to look, uh, to try to look sexy. Um, I also had that one, maybe. Oh, so so we should take it. out. We should make that six. All right, and so I'll take out the one that I initially. All right, okay, great. Okay, we'll do that. Okay, that top five is coming up uh, later on. All right, here's Tim Riley.
And we just found out that Washington State Democratic Party Chair and Superdelegate Dwight Peltz has announced he's supporting Barack Obama for the party's president. Well, you know, more than anything this year, I wish I was a superdelegate just so I could do something irresponsible with it. Just so I could, just so I could endorse somebody wholly stupid. Uh, with, because each superdelegate is worth 17,000 regular votes. Uh, so, I mean, wasn't there that some story a couple weeks ago, some guy, some superdelegate was selling his vote? He was trying to sell it for like $2 million, which I guess is legal. I guess you're allowed to do that. So, uh, all right. I, I was just, when that guy was talking about how he took his, um, his six and nine year old daughters to see Barack Obama, I was thinking about, about the, your eyewitness to history thing and, and how this coming fall, how, the, you know, it's got to be Obama at this point, how for the Democrats at least there will be either a woman or a black man, uh, on the ballot, which you just, you know, is one of those things that shouldn't have taken this long, but now that it's here, you sort of stop and you recognize how great it is and, and whatever. Um, and I was I was about to sort of say, you know, and whoever you know, and who will almost certainly become the president this fall. And I, but as I say that, I just realize that I just don't even. You know, this country is just so hard to, to to figure out. You just never know. And I don't mean, and I don't mean that in some sort of like, well, shucks, one can never tell. I just mean that. Just, every time you think you've got this, is this a stupid country figured out? The people just find a way to put a stick in the spokes somewhere. I mean, the whole country finds some way to collectively just f things up beyond recognition, or some some group of people find a way uh, to uh, to perhaps reverse what you thought was an almost certain outcome. So it does it does remain to be seen. Let's do one more here, and then we will uh, take a break. Yeah, I suppose that this would be a Darwin watch. Would it for Monday? All right, here's your Darwin watch. The bad stuff is about to go down. Don't, don't, don't. I need all my cap. Don't, don't, don't. My parents won't let me use scissors. Don't, don't, don't. Another one bites the dust. Don't, don't, don't. Another one bites the dust. And another one gone. And another one gone. Another one bites the dust. Hey. A teen playing chicken has been hit by a train. State line, Jefferson, Oregon. Wow. A train struck a 13-year-old boy who was playing chicken on the railroad tracks Friday night. Kyle Clement and his friends were trying to dodge a mile-long freight train as it rolled through the small town of Jefferson, blowing its horn. Get out of the way! Get out of the way! <laughs> the engineer cried. Clement's friends left the tracks... <laughs> But he was braver than the rest. But he ran in front of it, just like in that movie we saw so long ago. Isn't that the one with the two Corys? Stand by me. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't stand by him. They left him on the railroad tracks. He <laughs> tried to jump off the tracks at the last second. It wasn't quite fast enough. The train struck the boy, throwing him 30 feet off the tracks. An ambulance rushed him to Good Samaritan Hospital in Corvallis, and lifeline took him to OHSU. As of uh, 1.30 a.m. Is this when we all have to get knapsacks and go look for his body? Mm -hmm. Uh, Last time he had uh, multiple fractures and internal damage. Oh. Uh. Mm -hmm. So, uh, do not play chicken. What's his name? His name is uh, Kyle. I don't understand. Is he dead or is he still fighting? No, he's dead. No, Kyle. Kyle dead long time. Uh, The, I don't think, I mean, one, I don't. You can't play chicken with something that can't lose. I mean, there's no, you play chicken with another car. Right? You play chicken with, you know, two guys on motorcycles. I think playing chicken with a train is an almost... That is a, a lose-lose proposition mm-hmm. right there. All right. Uh, okay. The train had knocked the life out of Kyle just like it knocked his body out of those kids. And it's not even summer vacation. No, it's really not. So that's it. 
In my head, in my head, Tim's just slowly walking away from the camera and dissolving into nothing. Let's take a break. Back after this. That was your Darwin Watch. We return next. It's the Rick Emerson Show. This top five is gold. All right. I'm busy writing it down right now. It's going to be fantastic. I get just over here listening to the intros of the songs, and they're just so bad. Oh, by the way, did you see this uh, this guest list that Richie's put together? Tim, did you get a copy of this? A guest list for what? Uh, so this is a list of, because we talked about, we put together this, a, a guest sort of bounty, sort of folks that we were interested in talking to. Like I had Alice Cooper, and I had, uh, there you go, oh, there's your copy. And Stan Freeberg, and then you had Walter Cronkite. And uh, somebody else, and then Sarah had the—I uh, don't know—I I forget who—I forget who was on Sarah's list. Luke Perry or somebody. Um, so this, so Richie apparently has been trying to contact. He, he, Richie just brought in this whole list of people that apparently he's been trying to contact this whole time. Uh, and then he has this is so great. This is why we love Richie because he's put it in terms of a spreadsheet: the celebrity, uh, in what they starred, and then what the response has been so far. So we've got here Tanya Harding. Start in, and then he just puts loser. <laughs> that wasn't us. That's Richie. You put that. Uh, response not available for us at this time. Miss Harding isn't accepting any further interviews. Um, Matthew Fox start in lost. Uh, and then this is my sense. He's not. He has gone home. Sorry. I don't really know what that means. Does that mean he's Matthew Fox from Lost has gone home? Does that mean that he's he's Hold on. Before we before we do anything, we'll get no. to the news in just one second. Well, I have to find out. Right here. I'll ask Richie about this particular particular type of outfit he wears. So, hello, Richie Bristol, our uh, intrepid PA. Hello. How are you doing? Good. Hey, by the way, let's ask uh, a couple of questions about this outfit you wore yeah, yesterday let's, bowling. Let's go ahead and do oh, that. Oh man. Now, where did you get yesterday's bowling outfit, which looked for all the world like one of Mrs. Roper's house dresses? Uh, I went to Goodwill. And did you go to the men's section? You got that in no, the restaurant section. No, I don't anything like yeah. that in men's. But, like, no pajamas or nothing for men. No. All right. So you now did you go to the women's section of Goodwill out of necessity or just out of preference? Well, there was the only place they had nightwear. There were no men's pajamas at Goodwill? No. That's interesting. Just boxers and no, I can't do that. All right. So now you got... It. They have men's pajamas. No, they don't. Men I was don't at Value Village pajamas. yesterday and there were huge pajama selections. Oh, I should have went there then. So Maybe. you, so so since you had since there were no now do you not own any pajamas? Uh no, I just sleep in my whitey tighties. Great vision, huh? Attention, Dan Savage. <laughs> so uh, so then you went to you went to Goodwill and you just went to the women's section and were you trying to find something that was sort of unisex? Oh, it was. No, yeah. I mean, you looked like you ought to. Have been... That wasn't unisex. I've I've had many a retro vintage like polyester type dress. That was a dress. It you, came with a belt. It zipped as a dress. You looked like you should have been working in a Moroccan rugs shop. I mean, really, it was, uh, you know, you look, here's what you, you look like you should have been saying, Izzy, my friend, I'm so pleased you're not dead. Like you had that whole kind of weird Arabian look going on. Yeah, they were looking at me weird. I tried on like five different things. and <laughs> Of course you did. What nothing were the, fit. <laughs> what were the other things you tried on, Richie? Uh, there was like a girl's nightgown, and my top was too big. Like... <laughs> I mean, the breast area obviously fit, but... The breast area, by, by that you mean your breast? Yeah, but, like, I could flex my arms and I could, like, 
rip them out like yeah. Incredible Hulk or something okay. like that. Um, do you remember at one point unzipping uh, your uh, nightgown yesterday and showing your smooth, hairless chest to everybody at the bowling alley? I didn't know. I didn't know. Okay. No. I you started did, zipping down, and I realized... You did it, it multiple times. You didn't just do it once. Yeah. I was uh, like, what are you doing? You're like, oh, you didn't see? <laughs> well, it but it zipped all the way down below my crotch. Moving... Oh. <laughs> Moving on. Sorry, all right, so you put together this list of, of, of folks that you were trying to get on the show. Uh-huh. And first of all, I want to uh, I would like to congratulate you on your ambition. Well done. Mm-hmm. And, and you've created sort of... Scotty, by the way, tried the same thing, and it worked out kind of badly because he was Scotty. So we have this spreadsheet. This is the celebrity that you've contacted, what they are famous for, and then the response so far. So we have Tanya Harding. So they claim that she's not doing any interviews. That was back when we were talking about her before. Now I'm trying right because, now. Yeah, I mean, because she's got that book that's, that's coming out right now. I mean, just now. Now she's got a book coming out, so it seems like she really, this would be the time when she's doing interviews. Right. I'm uh, trying again right now. Matthew Fox from Lost says, he is not, he has gone home. Sorry. What, what does that mean? He's is gone he home. from another country or something? Matthew Fox? Yeah. No, he's, yeah. Uh, he's an American, isn't he? He was in Party of Five. I know yeah. nothing about him. Is that what they say? He's gone home. He's gone back to his home world, Richie. I'm sorry. I know that he was because they were all living in Hawaii when they film it. I think he's but... from Pasadena, so no. That's I what think she said. He I went think, home. I think he is. All right. Uh, let's see, Charlotte Charlotte Chander, uh, who wrote a book about Joan Crawford. Yeah, they uh, actually. It I, says it says the book is about Joan Crawford, not Joan Rivers. Yeah, I think I, I believe that's what Richie. Richie asked her when you yeah. called. Oh, you called. The, so it's a book about Joan Crawford, and you called thinking it was about Joan Rivers. Yeah, just, oh. I think they turned us down because I didn't even know uh-huh. who wrote the book. All right, well, you probably thought that they were the same people. All right, uh, Sarah yeah. Jessica Parker, you All were looking at. Joan's kind of run together. <laughs> So you were trying to get Sarah Jessica Parker. We'll see because when is the movie coming out, Sarah? Sex in the City. Uh, the thirtieth. Okay, so that's so. I mean, really, this is the window. If you're ever going to get Sarah Jessica Parker, this is the time. Uh, or would you accept Sarah, uh, another cast member? Absolutely. All right. I would much rather actually prefer to talk to Kim Cattrall. You know who you might be able to get actually, if you can't get a cast member from Sex in the City, you might be able to get Candace Bushnell. Uh, who wrote the book on which that uh, that series and movie are based? Because mm-hmm. she's always got because none of her nobody else buy you know like her other books don't really do anything and so she's always trying to push some crap. All right, Bill Pullman, Bill Bill Pullman isn't accepting any further interviews at this time. Yeah, because he's so busy. I think he's in a project or something. Uh huh. Let's see. Um, Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs too, scheduled too busy. Uh, Katie Sackhoff, Battlestar Galactica, waiting for her to be. I know she is coming back into town because Court and Fatfire are going to have her on. Because they're buddies with her, aren't they? Let's see. Jason Bateman arrested. I'm sensing a, a, a trend here. Jason Bateman from Mercy Development. Thank you for your interest in Jason. Unfortunately, he is unable to participate in your request. No explanation, no actual justification, just unavailable. Tim, did you ever work in PR? Did you ever? Were you ever kind of a flack? Did you ever work in the flack department for anything? Once I, I, I worked in PR for one movie. A long, long time ago, for one day. Was this that? Uh, was this the Ricky Lake film? No, no, it wasn't the. Oh, no, that was something totally different. I worked in focus groups. For, uh, for, for what movie? Oh, several movies. Okay, but now would it, so what PR work did you do? Uh, it was for one of the Baldwin brothers for one day. <laughs> Which Baldwin brother? Do you remember? Stephen Baldwin. Oh, I'm oh. sorry. How sad for you. All right. And I was supposed to keep the crowds away from him. However, <laughs> there were no crowds. It, it was on location in Pasadena, and there were no gates. Nobody walked up. Nobody inquired. Keep the crush of humanity away from Mr. Baldwin. And it never happened. That's like that's like being hired to keep the throng of the sea of people away from Polly Shore. Uh, let's see. So it's, does, this, does this sound just like uh, does this sound like run of the mill, just you know, placeholder flack to you, Tim? These lines. Yeah, pretty much. Let's see. Portia De Rossi. Thank you, Portia. Is unavailable at this time. 
Henry, who is Henry Ian Cusick? Richie? Who is that, Richie? <laughs> if I know. Well, why, why, must you contact why would you be, you, you, it says here that you are, you are attempting to book Henry Ian Cusick on the show. Who's Henry Ian Cusick? It seems like you're returning. And, and, and right near next to start in, it's just a blank. Well, I don't know. Maybe it came out of your mouth or something. I wrote it down. I have no idea who that person is. How would you you had to find the contact info for him. You had had to hunt down whoever that was. Did you buy a life insurance policy for him or something? (laughs) (laughs) You got your personal stuff mixed up on this show material? (laughs) (laughs) Like the guy that fits you for shoes? Seriously. Oh, okay. Well, I just Googled him. Well, I know who he is. Who is it? He's uh, Desmond from Lost. Oh, okay. okay. I was going through everybody. But he didn't know what he was. But he didn't know. It doesn't matter because he told us to get bent. All right, let's see. Also told us to get bent. Naveen Andrews. Who is that's, Nave- that's Saeed from Lost. Oh, these are all just lost people. All right. Boy, Naveen Andrews, he's a good looking guy. I know. We've talked about this. He's a beautiful man. He and that. He's um, getting less attractive. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm finding the Desmond's character more attractive. Henry Ian Cusick, actually. <laughs> he and that hot <laughs> Middle Eastern chick on uh, on Battlestar ought to get together and have, like, uh, the most beautiful Little children baby. on earth. We've done this on the air because remember we were talking about it and then he's married to that. Um, he's that? married. She's like 70. What's her name? Barbara Hershey? Yeah. yeah. Um, Lisa Loring. Wait, that's Wednesday Adams. Yes. Okay, not doing interviews at this time. Cam Gigandet. <laughs> I don't know who any what of the these celebrities are. Who is, who is Cam Gigandet, Richie? He's, he's like a, oh, a UFC show. fighter. Oh, we dude. turned this guy down. So I thought he was cute. It says... No, oh, and it, then I saw pictures of him. Is this yeah. a person from the OC... No, he just had some movie come out. Remember, Rick? You, down. No, I don't. Him? I don't remember who Cam Gigandet is. He had is. crazy eyes, and we're like, no, because he's in like uh, one of those. Yeah. All right. Okay. Like little horrible white boy rapping. <laughs> Roberta Caplo. Roberta Caplo from the Ladies' Home Journal. Were we trying to get somebody from the Ladies' Home Journal? Yeah, you told me to. I think. Why would I have ever told you? Because there was an article, some funny article in there or something you were interested in. Okay. By the way, apparently, <laughs> apparently though, it says Dick, Pan, Dick Van Patten has requested to come back for another interview and we turned him down. How sad. Uh, another couple of months. All right. And then uh, Alice Cooper, uh, we attempted and, and again, we're unable to do that. Well, all right. So really, we're at a big donut here, Richie. We're just. Uh, <laughs> but thanks for doing all this work. Well, thanks for several <laughs> man hours put into this. Thanks for assembling a really in-depth spreadsheet, examining our failure from every conceivable angle. Uh, there really is no. So there's really no one. So there's no one on this list except for Dick Van Patten, who apparently keeps asking to come on again, to whom we keep saying no. And the creepy, uh, yeah, OC guy. Yeah. So all right. Is this going to be put with your resume? <laughs> <laughs> I failed at booking the following 75 high-profile guests. All well, right. right now I'm working on Sarah's list. That's it. All right. Is there? Like <laughs> well, you saw Heather yesterday. All right. Is there? Oh no. Is there? Is there oh, anybody she's else? Gonna go. Is there anybody else off the top of our head while Richie is in here that we can? Since clearly this is just. You know, we've got okay. Wait, hold. I'm gonna throw... try to get any, someone like you know an what? up and coming actor from the like the new Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, well, that's or... never gonna happen. This is a, who could we possibly get from the Indiana Jones film? The little Asian boy, Mr. Jones. Mr. I... Jones. Well, you, you, <laughs> you do have contacts within the Asian community. <laughs> Hero, come on. Okay. Please don't do that. Okay. I think you are the little Asian boy, Richie. Okay. Uh, let's Mr. see. Joel, um, Mr. Jones. Please, you have to stop that. Uh, all right. So I'm gonna put down the MythBusters guys. Oh. Mythbusters dude. You know who I want on. I have no idea. It's the dude from. The who would you of, like to fail at getting on the show? The Sarah? host of uh, Cash Cab. 
Oh, I love that guy. I love him, too. The Cash Cab like... guy. Do you watch Cash Cab, Tim? I've seen it before. That's yeah. a great show. That's a fantastic show. You know, and those you know fools... that he's won Emmys and stuff like uh, for that show? Really? Uh-huh. Those fools at the end always go for the double or nothing. For the I big, would never you know, do it. Why, I would, walk why would you ever do that? So, boy, you know, I, I have this. Here's how lame my life is. I have a fantasy of going to New York and getting in the Cash Cab. That's, no. Because I'm, I'm going to New York again sometime later in the year, and that's what I'm going to do. Because I've, I've been watching the show so much that I can see where he picks them up and what general area. Do you suppose that the cash cab is something that is created by the New York Tourism Board to try to get people, or like by the New York, by the taxi industry, to get people to take more cabs in New York? Because Maybe. the deal is in New York, everybody just takes you know the subway. Like the first time I went, I took cabs, but then every time subsequent, largely because Lara was there and she is just such a Jedi with the subway system, we just take the subway every time in New York, uh, which is so much cheaper. And so the the taxi industry must suffer a little bit as people get more and more acclimated to the subway there. So I wonder if cash cab is a thing created by the New York City Taxi Board to try to get people to take more cabs. Every time I've been there, I think about that. Where you get in, you, you have I'm the like, fantasy I don't want the, a car because I always look for the vans, too. And you have the fantasy the of the car. door shutting and then the lights going, you're yeah. in a cash cab! Well, I'd spaz out because I'd recognize the dude the anyway. The thing is, I am always really good at the cash cab, too. Always. I play whenever I go over and hang out with my friend Lisa. Like, they always watch back-to-back cash cab and then Jeopardy every yeah. day. I can always get cash cab, not so much. Okay, property. Richie, we're going to try to get the cash cab guy. Will this get me a date? With, sure. Uh, well, not with Heather or anybody that you probably desire, but yeah, <laughs> we'll get you a date with somebody. All right. And Chick. Tim, final thoughts on Richie's guest, uh, Richie's guest pursuits while he's in the studio? No, but I have to think of some. I'm going to say, had I known, I would have made a list. Cash cab. Uh, I would also accept uh, any anybody from MythBusters. I was trying anybody from Discovery Channel. I would accept. Yeah, uh, they're both Discovery Channel. You know, I would also take this. Hold on, I will also put. I don't know if this is uh, the Discovery Channel, uh, or if this is if this is. I get those in the Travel Channel confused. I would also accept Survivor Man, Ooh. that guy from Survivor Man. He eats. Stuff. And and hold on, and I would take. Who is that guy that does bizarre foods? Dave um, Zimmer, I think his name is. Oh yeah, I watched him. Bizarre right. Foods. And the cash guy is Ben Bailey. Okay, Bizarre Foods and or Anthony Bourdain. Ben Bailey. Anthony Bourdain. All right, Anthony. You know, if I was Andrew Zimmern. You know, Zimmern. You know, I got to tell you that Anthony Bourdain guy who does no reservation. I bet he gets laid constantly. If I was a chick, I would be all over that guy. The cash cab dude does. (laughs) (laughs) You've got a weird thing with a cash cab. I really, I do. I don't know why. That cash cab guy must get laid constantly. More about the cash cab guy. All right, Richie. There you go. Those are your new missions. Should you choose to accept them. All right. All right. Okay. Good luck, Richie. Good luck, Richie. All right. He's not going to get any of those. Yeah, no. right. Here's Tim Riley on oh, KCMD Portland. Keeps him busy. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps him from sticking his finger in a light socket. Mm-hmm. Uh, tickets to many of Madonna's shows went on sale today. There were instant sellouts. She sold out three shows at Madison Square Garden in under an hour. She's charging three fifty a ticket. Really? And that's before they go up. I was uh, listening to the uh, to that record uh, two days ago, Saturday, I guess. Uh, Laura and I were driving around. It was actually the day we had to go buy pajamas, and I was listening to the new Madonna, and um, it's not bad. It's not bad. I, uh, it's certainly better than some other things she's done. I don't know that it's instant classic, and I don't, I don't know that there's anything on that new Madonna record that really jumps off the way that Hung Up did uh, off that record, but, uh, but it's not a bad record at all. I would say it's a very solidly well-crafted, put-together record. So uh, I put it's, it's one in the win column for Madonna. They're actioning off Bob Hope's stuff already. Really? Nearly 800 items... It's going to be a mid-October charity auction in Las Vegas. Of course, he died back in 2003. He was 100. 
He might have been dead long before that. I think he probably was. Well, what could they possibly have to, I mean, what, what could they be selling of Bob Hopes? Yeah, they have a whole bunch of stuff here. And uh, let's see, his daughter say he was a pack rat. He has a daughter named Linda, who's 68. They never talked about his kids. I think they were adopted, though. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Some of the stuff. A pair of red and white golf shoes marked made for Bob Hope. A golf bag that says Bob Hope. A huge golf cap that says Bob Hope. <laughs> a letter to Bob Hope from actors uh, Ronald and Nancy Reagan. A letter from Betty Davis from World War II. A large sign for his parking space at NBC. You know, it's weird. You know, there's those guys who you think... Uh, that you you just sort of assume are going to live forever. But, you know, the strange thing about Bob Hope is he has gone from being that. He's fallen into the category of guys that I've just, that it just seemed like they've been dead forever. Like, I now I now no longer remember a time when Bob Hope was alive. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 he, it, because he seemed, it seemed like he ought to have died so much you know, earlier right, than he It seemed like he was alive for way too long. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, his heyday was in the 1940s, and he kept going on fumes for like the next 50 years. Doing, I mean, standing on stage. I with... mean, the empty the empty light was on, and he just he just kept getting up every morning. The red light was on, done, done, empty. But he just kept on going. He just kept living like long, sort of like he was like one long downhill coast with the fuel light ringing. I mean, standing on stage with celebrities he almost certainly didn't know. I mean, making jokes about Betty Grable's legs from an old box of jokes that were 50 years old. Yet nobody told him, don't do that, Bob. No. Well, he was, you know, he's one of those guys you just couldn't, I mean, you, he was such an American treasure that no one could say, like, get Bob off stage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Say the same thing with Dick Clark. Dick Clark will be the same. I mean, as much as we make fun of Dick Clark... I mean, my career will be long over. Dick Clark will still be hosting that countdown show. But you know what? <laughs> Nobody sends the car for him any other time except for New Year's Eve. <laughs> so we don't have to worry. It's just one night. I don't think you even have to send a car for Dick at this point. I think you just have to send a tow hitch. <laughs> you just hook it up to his hook it up to his uh, his commander Pike box and drag him down to Times Square. Ah, oh, Jesus! But I remember. I mean, I remember growing up. Here we are talking about Bob Hope again. Wow, his wife is still alive. Dolores is going on. Bob Hope's wife? That's what it says here. I didn't read about her being dead, and it still says she's she's going on 99. She keeps a close eye on the family business, whatever that might be. <laughs> what is this? Buying things from... <laughs> whatever, if they say so, I'm not going to meddle with their PR. I remember growing up in the 80s and seeing Bob Hope standing on television with, like, Brooke Shields or whoever was popular at yeah. that point and thinking he was just ancient then standing next to some 25-year-old celebrity that you know, who he obviously didn't recognize and didn't know. Mm -hmm. So, And then you're right, he kept going for another 25 years after that. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like seeing the Beach Boys in 1985 and then realizing even now, 30 years later, the Beach Boys are still touring. Well, the worst part was all the people who worked for him because he put all the employees who worked on his on his uh, TV shows under like a 40-year contract in 1963. <laughs> they were so they were obligated to work 40 years later for 1963 wages, which <laughs> were like $5 per show. <laughs> Still writing the same jokes about collecting green stamps. Uh -huh. Boy, what about those sea rations? So, uh, yeah, they have uh, 11,000 items to watch it off. So wow. if you're a Bob Hope fan, and I guess his wife still is, because it says here she's going on 99 and still alive. <laughs> There ought to be a Still Alive Award that gets given out, don't you think? Mm -hmm. There ought to be some sort of plaque uh, that you get once you hit once you hit like 85. What is the average lifespan for the American now? Oh, it's it's high. Is it really? Yeah, there's still people wandering around driving uh, at 90 years old. I mean, I would say because when I was a kid, it was 74. 
I, I think everyone's got uh, got a relative who's at least in their upper 80s to, to almost 90. That is true. That at least is one. That is true. Uh, that would have happened like 10 years ago. I think my grandparents lived to be in their late 80s. My great-grandfather lived to be 98. Uh, my mom is 72 right now. Uh, so, I mean, it just... But I remember when I was a kid, they said the average lifespan for the American male was 74. But I think it's gone up a lot since Well, that's then. because guys get divorces and don't hang on to the same old battle axe the entire <laughs> life. So it's kind of like a refresher course. You're obligated to hang on to the same woman forever. <laughs> that's true. Until she put you in your grave. <laughs> Them people smartened up somewhere along the line and got divorces. Guys just willing themselves into the sweet embrace of death. <laughs> you know, the attitude was, you made your bed, don't go lying there until you die. <laughs> Take out the trash. Guys, just let me drink more bourbon. Hold on. Hold on. Let me smoke some more unfiltered Paul Malls, you whore. All right. <laughs> Basically, that's what happened. Now they have something to live for. Yes, they do. KCMD Portland. Wow, it's one o'clock. <laughs> I don't know what's going on today. Uh, the whole my, today, my head just feels like one big vacuum inside. Just feels like there's absolutely nothing in my brain today. Doesn't matter. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. I appreciate that. I'm sure Les Moonves appreciates your support as well. I it's I hate to keep blaming things on the listener party, but it's I think it was just several days. You know what this is like? This is like last I don't know six or eight months ago when we did the 48 hour film festival when I did anyway, and was awake for basically two and a half days, and it took me probably four days to recover from that. Uh, from not sleeping for a couple of days. So, I don't know, maybe I'll be back to the normal tomorrow. Or... I just went home, you know, yesterday after being stopped by the cops and just keeled over on the couch. <laughs> that was my... Man, can I tell you this, that I I went home, uh, let's see, so the Lister party was Thursday, Friday. So I went home, I went to bed at 10.30 Friday night, which is very early for me, because uh, I typically can't get to sleep before 12 or 12.30. I went to bed at 10.30, Friday night, I slept until 11 a.m. Saturday morning. That's 12 and a half hours. I didn't get up. Wow. I didn't go to the bathroom. I didn't get up to get water. Uh, my, my uh, Laura was out uh, at a show with a friend of hers. She came She came home, and she got into bed late at like 2 a.m. I don't remember her coming home. And then I did the same thing Saturday night. Oh, and then and then Saturday, I also did, because the other thing is that Friday night, I had taken my last sleeping pill. I had taken my last Trazodone. Um and, of course, as the doctor keeps saying to me, the key to mental health is regulating your sleep cycle. So I drove all the way at the goddamn Sunnybrook uh, to get, my, to get my, uh, uh, my prescription refilled on Saturday. But I think that the doctor upped the dosage without telling me. I think the doctor and my wife may have had some sort of secret conversation, and he increased my dosage. Because I, when I showed up to bowl on Sunday, man, it was like you my... You were weird. You were like zombie, Rick. <laughs> and if that's what, like, a... a showing of things to come you are not allowed to go to your therapist <laughs> I, well i don't i was just on my regular like sleeping medication but i i think he may have in fact increased the dosage without like letting me be aware of that because my whole head just felt like it was full of gelatin on sundays it was a it was a bad scene but anywho uh what were we talking about bob hope lifespan that was a long time ago <laughs> yes I, I know but it seems like i had some point oh here was the point i was going to make on kcmd portland Seems like I had to stop and ask. You did the ID before. I've done, I've done like the ID. Times. I've done the ID <laughs> twice. Mm -hmm. um, I sh I should actually have some caffeine at some point, but uh, that would require stopping. And there's all this entertainment to give to the people. <laughs> I was just going to say about the Bob Hope auction. So you said there's what hundreds of items or something. Eight hundred. Don't you think that with auctions of this nature, that you should be able to view it 
sort of like as a spreadsheet where you can click it and view it in terms of like cost. You know, where you can, in other words, like in Microsoft, you can sort something in order of date or size or whatever. It seems like with these auctions, I want to be able to sort auction lists in terms of price so that I can look for whatever is the single cheapest thing I can possibly buy. Like what is the, what is the tiniest, least expensive item by which I can remember Bob Hope? What are these? Well, they're, they're corn holders for $1.98. Sold. You know what I mean? There's a money clip from Jack Benny. See, but I mean, that's going to be expensive, especially because of the nature of the item. You know, any money-oriented item from Jack Benny, yeah, that's going to be way too expensive. But I mean, really, if they said, what is this? Well, it's a, it's, a soiled, it's a soiled napkin from Bob Hope's bedroom. Well, if I could buy that for five bucks, I'd probably do that. Create a whole museum of useless. I mean, I've got a piece of gum chewed by Ozzy Osbourne. I want to get sort of that equivalent from every celebrity. I think it was um, it was Michael Jackson or somebody was doing some auction uh, late in 2007, and I just kept telling Roof that I just wanted to buy like just a just a just a square centimeter of carpet from Neverland. You know, something that I can pay five bucks for that I can then point at and go like, you know, it's like how it's like how I have that small piece of Sharon Tate's fireplace. You know, just so I can say like, look at that. You know, doesn't cost anything. It's easy to store. Alan and Eva. All right, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. So apparently Hillary Clinton went to church in uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky. And unbeknownst to her, she was forced to sit through a sermon about lust and adultery. <laughs> really? Yes, really. <laughs> I, wonder if that was, uh, I wonder if that was accidental. So uh, Paul Fry, one of the State Street United Methodist Church, asked his congregation, how was your commitment level in your marriage this morning? <laughs> He spoke about lust and sin of cheating on your partner. Hillary looked straight ahead as the man spoke about the theme of the sermon, which was, Come up higher when the devil whispers over your shoulder. Hillary sang and participated in the sermon. That's the best thing I've ever heard. Oh my gosh, maybe I shouldn't have done this. That's the most awkward thing I've ever heard in my life. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding I wonder you. how long into the sermon so, it took. So she her wanted to get away from Oregon and decided to go to friendlier territory in Kentucky. And what happened? Adultery. Wow. Oh, please tell me there's video. Uh, oh, God. Yet. Well, she's probably not because she's inside a church. Uh, yeah, but that doesn't stop people. Right. There's... Let me look. Jeremiah Wright was inside a church. <laughs> what, what would you give to see the? What would you give to see the look on her face? How was the commitment level in your marriage, Hillary Clinton? Straight ahead. Oh, God. As the man spoke about the theme of the sermon, which was, Come up higher when the devil whispers over your shoulder. Jesus. I wonder how She's long... She's saying... It, I wonder how long it took her to put together that that was the, that was the theme of the sermon. <laughs> That's the best thing oh. I've ever heard. Oh, man. I'm looking. I wonder, I wonder if when she left Oregon and headed to this church, she was saying, well, my week can't get any worse. <laughs> Everything has gone as poorly as it possibly could. There's nothing else that could happen to me today. Oh, man. I did not expect for you to say that was, uh, that was the theme, unexpected on <laughs> that was the theme of the sermon. Let's welcome out of the Everson <laughs> Show from New York City, CNN radio correspondent. Steve Kastenbaum. Jeez, hello, sir. I'm so glad you're able to laugh like this. Wow. I mean, I don't really know what I thought Tim was going to say when he started that story, but that wasn't it. Dear God Almighty. All right. How was your day, sir? Doing good. All right. So you are covering, well, you're in New York, but they got you talking about the Ted Kennedy thing. 
Yeah, I almost wound up going up to Boston uh, over the weekend. We thought uh, it was much more serious than it turned out to be. Apparently, he's up uh, in his hospital room talking, joking around with folks. So it's pretty sure. coherent right sure now. Sure Don't you always disbelieve instinctively when they say that so-and-so who just suffered like some massive myocardial infarction is up and joking with physicians? Yeah, well, you know... They, they say Castro is still alive, too, but I don't believe that. Uh -huh. Well, I remember the, the, the thing in my generation that I always remember is when they said that Reagan was up and joking with physicians like five seconds after having been shot three times or whatever. I mean, it, was, it, it, it sort of becomes a thing that is just – it is one of these standard lines that they uh, – that they yeah, and, and, and Dolores Hope, Bob Hope's wife. Sinatra was the same way. I mean, I mean, Sinatra was dead and in the ground, and I fully expected the family to keep saying that he was up and doing fine. So, in any event, so, well, on a scale, I mean, I know you're not a doctor, Steve Kastamon, but how serious, I, I mean, play with how, on TV. <laughs> I, how serious was this thing that happened to Ted Kennedy? You know, we really don't, haven't been able to speak to anybody who was there when it happened. He had some sort of seizure when he was at the Kennedy compound, as they still call it, in Hyannis. Uh, here on the East Coast in, in Cape Cod. And within an hour of being at the hospital in Cape Cod, they said, you know, we should fly you to Massachusetts General just to make sure. And they, they took him there. They've been performing tests, and there was supposed to be further evaluation today. He's going to spend the night again tonight, but that's all we know. Yeah, you know, we, uh, he, he had a clot or some sort of blockage removed from an artery in, in his neck a year ago. And some doctors surmise that he may have had a stroke in connection with that a while ago, like a minor stroke. And the seizure that presented itself today, uh, over the weekend, might have been connected to that if he did indeed have a, a seizure in the past that went undetected. So, this is, we were, you know, my news director, Tim Riley, of course, is, is from New England, and so, you know, there's the whole. You know, there's a whole Kennedy thing back there. As everybody else says that they're the closest to American royalty and, and so forth. Here's a dumb question. I'm, so, other than Ted Kennedy, so what is the Kennedy family's involvement in American politics at this point? What is the Kennedy family? Or, or well, I mean, you uh, got Ted. Ken I mean, you got Ted Kennedy who's in office. But I mean, is there? There's a, there's a congressman somewhere in there in the in the uh, in the Kennedy line uh, here in New York. You know, the the Riverkeepers. Um, uh, organization here uh, on the Hudson River uh, was Robert Kennedy's uh, son's organization. He's the environmental lawyer, the big, the big environmental lawyer, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. Let me see if I can find that. Because, and the reason I ask is because when uh, you know, because when when uh, uh, you know when uh, uh, JFK Jr. died, and they, you know, there was obviously you know a lot of mourning about that, especially in the East Coast, but because. They, they have been so prominent in American politics, but, you know, let's be honest. I mean, Ted Kennedy, even if he recovers this time, Ted Kennedy's not going to live forever. And so the question is, if slash when Ted Kennedy is no longer on the political stage, like, what will the Kennedy family do? Will they just sort of exist as this appendix to the body politic that was, that was once active and now just sort of is there? Yeah, it's true. There really isn't anybody on, on the public's radar, really, you know, who's seen as the heir apparent to this uh, Kennedy hierarchy in D.C. You know, there's nobody there waiting in the wings to be the next generation of, of policymakers, you know, from the Kennedy family. There's, there, there's some folks there, but nobody of the stature of, of, of the, uh, well, it was originally the four brothers, um, you know, when, but then the oldest one died in World War II. We, you know that story, right? Yeah. How, uh, John, Ken John F. Kennedy wasn't the one who was expected to be president. It was right. the older brother, right? Yeah. So you're right. There really isn't a... Uh, 
We don't have a lot of Kennedys to look forward to. <laughs> uh. <laughs> there's, there's, you know, there's, and there's, there's all these spin-offs of the Kennedys too. You know, like the Shrivers. The spin-offs. The spin-off. Sort of the, um, the spin is sort of the uh, sort of the Archie's place to uh, to JFK's All in the Family. It's yeah, yeah, Archie. <laughs> Archie's place. I forgot about that one. Wow. Uh, I was searching desperately for a spinoff in my head. I could have also gone the the sort of Mork and Mindy to JFK's Love American style. Yeah. Wow. That was a good one. Archie's place. Because most people would have gone with the Jeffersons being the spinoff. Oh, uh, well, see. No, wait, now, we've done this before, the family tree, but the original show... Wait, what was this? The Jeffersons was a spinoff of All in the Family, was it not? Right, right. Okay. And then, but Mork and Mindy was a spinoff of Happy Days, which was itself a spinoff of Love American Style. That's right. You know, a lot of people don't remember that Mork from Mork was on Happy Days for It is true. That's what I do. It's my, yeah. uh, it's, it's really my only contribution to this discussion of, of politics today, sir, is a Mork and Mindy <laughs> reference. So. And they were all on the Battle of the Network Stars at one point or another. You know, that's, did, did they still do the Circus of the Stars? Oh, I don't know. I haven't looked for that in a long time. I just Circus of the this. Stars. Man, that was a fantastic show growing up because it would be like some it would be like some jerk from Fantasy Island, and he's inside one of those like flaming flaming uh, metal spheres in which motorcycles were racing around at top volume. Those were those were good times when you could turn into network TV and hope that you'd see a guy from Falcon Crest get maimed. <laughs> and, and Gabe Kaplan was like always the the captain of ABC's team, and he would always get really into it, and he'd start fighting with with uh, the guy. Um, oh, I forgot his name for CBS, who was in the the Black Sheep. Remember that uh, show? No. Oh, the the show about Damn. the World War II fighter pilots. Squadron. So who was the Black Sheep Squadron guy with whom Gabe Kaplan would get into a fight, Tim? Robert. Oh, what's his last name? I don't remember. All right. Hold hey. on. The beauty of the Internet at my fingertips here. I will say this, though. We were talking to Richie Bristol, our PA, earlier about guests that he has attempted to get on the show and guests he has failed to get on the show, and the list is exactly the same. But we did at one point try very hard to get Gabe Kaplan on the show, and that also fell apart. So Robert really? Conrad. Robert Conrad. There well, you go. You beat me to it. He played Major Greg Pappy Boyington. Yeah. We should also point out that Roger that uh, Robert Conrad played G. Gordon Liddy in the television adaptation of G. Gordon Liddy's autobiography, Will. You know, together, the three of us, we could really do some damage on a TV trivia show. We could have we? one heck of a weekend show. We really could. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, well, I guess now that you've... You know, I mean... I'm not going to say you're disappointed, but I mean, there's got to be, you know, you, you guys have got to have a set of secret. Do, does CNN just have a whole bunch of frequent flyer miles just set aside in a bank for when people die? I mean, really, just be honest. I mean, is there some sort of a some sort of a celebrity death account from which you uh, withdraw frequent flyer miles as soon as it looks like somebody is about to shuffle off their mortal coil? I think it's part of the greater travel budget. <laughs> I sort of, believe so. It's the, it is the elastic clause of the CNN travel expenditure. Yes, we're, we'll spend this amount of money each year on death coverage. Yes. <laughs> All right, my friend. Can you, if I ask you an honest, if I ask you a question that is perhaps a little indelicate, will you will you give me an honest answer? I will give you the best answer that I am able to supply at this moment. All right. That's a great response. Thank you. Do you, in fact, already have your Ted Kennedy obituary written? Oh, well, I mean, every news agency does. I uh, mean, but I mean you specifically. Not me specifically, but CNN and CNN Radio. I mean, you know, we all have obituaries uh, ready to go uh, on lots of notable figures. It's something that, uh, you know, every network and every news gathering organization does because you want to be able to to be Johnny on the spot when that unfortunate moment comes. You know, it's something that, you know, well, for instance, I've worked on some obituaries on uh, Muhammad Ali. Uh, because uh, a while back his daughter said that uh, he was in kind of bad shape. Right, right. So we went out. Because, you, you know, you don't want to be running around 
looking for people when that unfortunate moment comes. So you want to have all that stuff prepared and ready to go. And, and you don't have to chase people down to interview them. So you have you, do it ahead of time. Have you prepared any specifically poignant or melancholy poetic lines about Ted Kennedy, though? No. Would you like it? Would you like us to come up with one? Not only that, if you can come up with some rhymes for me on Muhammad Ali to make my, my obituary pieces better, since he was known for rhyming, that would be a big help also. Wow, you have no idea what sort of thing you unleash with the audience when you ask them to come up with a rhyming couplet to describe the as yet impending, as of now impending death of Muhammad Ali. I know, and we get criticized for doing this sort of thing, but it's, it's standard practice in the business. Uh, the Associated Press once accidentally put out... Uh, I forgot whose it was, but they put on an obituary for somebody who hadn't died yet. Oh, well, they've done that. They've done that many times. I think they did it for Bob Hope, actually. Yeah, and then they had the release. I, I, I want to report that I am alive and well. You always get that, that, that counter for release. I'm fairly sure that when Luciano Pavarotti was still alive, uh, that they put out something that there was at one point they jumped the gun and somebody hit the enter button when they shouldn't have. I think he was one of them, yes. All right. We'll work on a, uh, we'll work on an opening rhyming line from Muhammad Ali's soon to be, you know, his, his someday obituary. Yeah, we all have to die sometime. If people want to write my obituary now, uh, I'm more than happy to have them do it. I got to tell you, here's why I can. I think I have. I think I have carte blanche to do this because at the roast last Thursday that Lisa was part of, one of the roasters, a guy named Peter Carlin, who writes for the Oregonian, his roast was actually uh, like my obituary. He wrote my obituary. <laughs> did he really? Yeah, he did. So uh, with uh, many, many references to my receding hairline and so forth, and general sponginess. So. Oh, that's awesome. All right, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks a lot. Thank you. There you go. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Steve Kastenbaum was a little crazy today, too. It's not just me. Crazy in the air. It's mo mostly me, but it's it's also partly him. Here's Tim Riley. Due to mechanical problems with a few trains, the Max Yellow Line has been shut down. That shut down the Max Yellow Line. Buses are shuttling riders along that line. Also between PGE Park and the Rose Quarter with the Red and Blue Line. Now, the Yellow Line is... Um... Interstate. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see here. This is... All right, well, we'll just we'll take some of these calls here in a few. Here's Tim Riley. Authorities are trying to figure out what caused a carnival ride accident that injured nearly two dozen people in California. Captain Clay Hawkins of the Calaveras County Sheriff's Department says several children were among those injured. Uh, everybody's pretty good. Um, of the three victims that were airlifted, one was released and two were still in stable and fair condition at a regional hospital. This is, this is what? What happened here? Uh, carnival ride. Right. A malfunction. Uh, it was called the yo-yo. Uh, the, the, the ride was spinning as, as usual, and then the arms suddenly collapsed, dropping all the participants down to the ground, and they were dragged along the ground. Jesus. Um, they were all tangled within chains and the chairs <laughs> wow. until oh. the ride came to rest. Worst ride ever. Because, uh, you know, the arms hold the ride up, and if the arms separate, then the thing just rolls around like a wheel. <laughs> The best part is how you illustrated that by waggling your finger in a circle. Um, so wait, I'm trying to make the story clear. Hold on. So this, I have to look it up now. Uh, so this ride is called the Yo-Yo. The Yo-Yo. All right, hold on. Let's see here. Uh, let's the fair see. is uh, best known for its frog jumping yo -yo. contest. Yo-Yo Carnival ride. I am now going to Google Images. All right, let's see if I can find a. Uh... Oh damn! Yeah, you don't want to. <laughs> okay, so so the arms collapse. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh. Um, so the yo-yo is basically, it's, it's like a swing set. It's one of those rides that is basically a giant swing set. And as it starts to spin, the gravitational or centrifugal force or whatever extends the swings out to the side so they I've are parallel. So what, so what happened? What was the nature of the ride's defense? We love carnival okay. accidents. The arms holding the ride together separated. Jesus. So they're on both sides. Uh-huh. The long arms, they separated. 
And so then... So then the ride... Uh, Starts uh, falling forward and the people get dragged down the ground as wow. they go around in circles. Oh. Wow! So the ride was so basically this ride, which swings you out to the side, turned into basically a leaning tower of Pisa. Yeah. And so, but it kept going and kept swing, kept swinging the swings around. It was but, it was not a yo-yo. But basically, every time you would come around to the ground side of it, it would just hit you on the ground before whipping you around again. Wow! Is anybody dead? No. Okay, so we can laugh now. Dude, yeah, that's still so messed up. At least we have our health, Tim. Uh, so every time, so we would just kind of go whack, 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 kind of hitting you against the ground over and over and over until somebody found like the on-off switch. Jesus, that's unpleasant. Well, okay, here's Tim Ryan. Oh, we have another accident here. I'm five northbound at the Killingsworth Street exit. The off-ramp is closed due to an accident. A semi has rolled over. This is an injury accident. Once again, a semi has uh, rolled over. I-5 northbound at Killingsworth, the off-ramp uh, is blocked, and the cleanup will continue till 4 o'clock. By the way, somebody notes that Tim started off his article about the carnival ride by saying authorities are trying to determine what happened to the ride, and he says, isn't the answer to that question always carnies? It is true, actually. Yes. All right. Here's... Somebody forgot to add a washer. When it, when it should... <laughs> oh. Just a matter of a little thing. And if I, if I forgot to add, you mean stole and sold for drug money. Mm -hmm. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, so we have a boy, uh, 12 years old, facing drunk driving charges after a crash. This happened in Arkansas. A preteen facing a drunk driving charge after he and a friend drank his parents' beer, got liquored up, and crashed his stepfather's pickup truck. Uh, Sheriff Jimmy Dorsey said the 12-year-old boy and 10-year-old friend drove off in the truck to find a girl they met at a rodeo. <laughs> they, met about, they met about 10 miles before the 12-year-old lost control of the truck. The truck hit and jumped over a guardrail, sending it careening 50 feet down a steep hill in a forest. Uh, Clark Jones, who lives down the street from the crash site, said he answered the boys banging at the front door with a shotgun in his hand at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> I opened the door, and the first thing the 12-year-old said to me is, I'm drunk, and I just had a wreck. <laughs> uh, so James looked out at him and thought, you're kind of young to be out drinking, and you shouldn't be driving. Another boy was uh, seriously injured. So uh, the 12-year-old will be charged with drunk driving and several other charges and has been sent to juvie. Uh, let's see. A director of the Arkansas chapter of Mothers Against Drunk Driving said the 12-year-old is the youngest person she's heard of facing drunk driving charges in the state of Arkansas. Good for you. Well done. Uh, this is Rick. When Tim first read that Bob Hope auction story, I thought he said they were auctioning items from the Pope. My brain my brain went all fuzzy for a moment. All he has a pair of red shoes. That's exactly what he said. Too bad the Rick Emerson show can't be the high bidder for those ruby red slippers. You could put them right next to your many human skulls. Right. Uh, let's see here. Um... Uh, let's see. This guy is here. This guy said anybody from the Discovery Channel, you know, Ben Bailey from Cash Cab, Mike Rowe, Jamie and Adam, Les Stroud. Uh, that's the Survivor Man guy. I love the Discovery Channel. Um, let's see. Oh, didn't, isn't that It Takes a Thief show on the Discovery Channel? Also, yes. And um, and although I don't really care for Smash Lab, in fact, I think that might have been canceled already. I'm not even really sure that Smash Lab is still on the air because it was kind of ass. But uh, but you might be able to. It was. It was ass lab, but you might really be able to. But you might be able to get them actually because that show's not really being watched by anybody. Uh, somebody says, "Hey, Rick, how did that girl Bobby's evening turn out on Thursday? Did the Rick Emerson show make a love connection for her?" I saw Bobby at the end of the party on Thursday. That was the girl who had emailed in wanting us to find her a date, and then of course everybody wanted us to, to help them find. You know, and really this show. I mean, the idea that you would want this show to find you a stable relationship is just laughable, like on so many levels. Mm -hmm. But. Everybody's like, can you get me a date? And really, she was the kind of the girl who called dibs on it first. 
I saw her at the end of the night, and she said that I think while she was just kind of going or, you know, leaving with the person who had sort of gone there, like she got a ride there. I don't think she was going home with anybody, uh, but she said she had met, uh, met a whole bunch of nice folks, so... Yeah, I saw her, uh, and I don't think I didn't see her at all, but I saw the, I I saw the guy that she, the, who had contacted us, who said that they had kind of hit it off. Yeah, no, I saw her at the end, looking, uh, looking hot, I might add, but uh, I think, I don't think she necessarily went home with anybody that night. I did see a lot of people wearing name tags. That name tag idea turned out to be, that was pretty genius. I saw many, many people wearing the name tags. So, uh, Rick, Cash Cab is great. Uh, but the host, however, is pure evil. Look at his creepy black coal eyes. He has no soul. The host of Cash Cab is great, but he is the Antichrist. Get him on the show. Well, he is driving in New York. That's true. You have to be a little... He does have... He does look ever so slightly sinister. Not unlike Anthony I Bourdain. I like people with a touch of crazy. No, it's, well, that's the thing with Anthony Bourdain is he's just kind of a dick. You know what I mean? Like, he's great, but you can tell he's just a real bastard. Uh, so, all right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Oh, and I heard that uh, Chelsea's supposed to be at the Oregon Zoo today. Chelsea Clinton? Yeah. So I don't know if that's true or not, but that's a rumor that's holding around. I mean, why? To visit animals. Like, why is she spending so much time here? <laughs> I mean, don't, I mean, I hate to be like this guy because I, I've been in, you know, in favor of Hillary staying until the end and whatever. But I mean, doesn't it just seem like that's just throwing money down a rat hole? I mean, that is that is the definition of good money after bad. I mean, what is that they... her new mission statement? <laughs> I mean, hi, how I'll have she... to call Paul Magala and suggest that as, as Hillary's new campaign. I mean, how is she supposed to conduct spending in Iraq? She can't even she can't even handle the money for her own campaign. Well, well, she's busy going sermons about adultery. <laughs> Boy, that's so great. I mean, do you suppose there's any chance that the that the that the, that the pastor? I've, I've looked. To try to find evidence, photographic or, or audio, and nothing so far. Do you, somebody has to have it. Do you suppose there's any chance, though, that um, uh, that that he knew she was going to be there and just whipped up something on your uh, your husband boning an intern, just to kind of put that together? That was sort of an ad hoc addition. Uh, all right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir. Madam, as the case may be. Hey, Rick, how you doing? What's up? Uh, I got two things. Uh, you're looking for reality show people to interview. Uh, on the History Channel, they have that Axemen show. Yeah, it's about loggers, and all those guys are out of Oh, yeah. That'd be cool. That is true. And somebody is, that is yeah. sort of reminds me of the Deadliest Catch show, which yeah, I quite like, too. and that's a real colorful cast of characters. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is, sir. <laughs> that's really... Also, I made that uh, challenge with you guys on... Uh, I need you guys a dollar between your and Sarah's score bowling. I need to oh, know what the score oh, was. Were you, oh, Rick kicked my ass. Were you the guy that offered to pledge a buck for every point yeah. difference between Sarah and I for the day? Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, I actually, I had a pretty decent game, actually. And so. I definitely didn't. Yeah. I was, just, I was so hot. It was so hot in there, and I'm wearing, like, flannel pajamas. We don't need excuses. We just need a total. <laughs> okay, dick. You beat me. <laughs> we, don't, we, we don't need bad mouthing either. You know, this is a pledge. I'm a customer, okay? Okie dokie. Well, I don't also need another man telling me what I should and shouldn't do. Oh, wow. Maybe I'll just oh leave God. the room for a while. But anyway, Rick kicked my ass, and, yeah, I think he raised, like, 88. You know, Sarah, she who cannot dance blame. The floor. <laughs> I can't. I was terrible bowling. Terrible. Um, I think I got one strike all, all day yesterday. Your eyes I think the total. Like I think the total difference. I think it was like seventy bucks. But Rich, eighty-eight. Eighty-eight dollars. Yeah. There you go. Okay. I will send you guys a check for eighty-eight dollars. All right. Talk to. Uh, I'll put you on. Put you on the hold with Richie, and Richie will get your info, sir. Thank you. All right. There you go. 
It's poor workman that blames your tools, Sarah. <laughs> oh, so I just I could not believe how bad I did yesterday. But I'm really glad that you did well. Yeah, no, I, I actually did better than I thought I would. So um, it's a little game called lowering expectations, Sarah. Seriously. Under promise, over deliver. I need to start practicing. Again. Moving the goalposts. So who was the better bowler? I missed the whole That'd thing. That would be me, Tim. That would be Rick Emerson. Although, <laughs> well, he <laughs> can breathe Sarah a little bit terrible. easier in his pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not that I was good. Sarah had kind of an off day bowling. And, uh, yeah. But you know what? I got to hope. But Richie hosed both of us. Richie was really good. Richie is really good. Jeff Klein did really well. I think Marconi actually bowled really well. So, you know. All right. Here's uh, here's Tim Riley. We'll do a couple more. We'll take a break. Come back. Uh, Peter Carlin, the top five and more. Say there's the Rick Emerson. All right. I guess actually, I'm looking at the call. Let's do two more. Then we'll break and we'll come back. So, so I'm looking at uh, Hillary's uh, Oregon activities. <laughs> is this her itinerary for Oregon? And there have been no entries since yesterday. <laughs> well, okay. It just says... Uh, Find a drop box. <laughs> Please Here's vote you. if you're so inclined. All well, right. this is a National Dog Bite Prevention Week. I know we have uh, postal people listening, so this is for them. A time when pet owners are asked about biting dogs and how to prevent it. And how to have a happier all-around pet experience, both for you and your dog. U.S. Postal Service information. Uh, and uh, Portland Area Dog Training has a service called uh, Bark Busters. They offer a variety of training services, but this week they're focusing on Biting dogs. More than 4.7 Americans, or 4.7 million Americans, have bitten by dogs over the past year. With small children, the elderly, and the U.S. Postal uh, letter carriers, the most frequent victims. The best time to train your dog to bite is when it's a puppy. And this is kind of a useless story. <laughs> it really well, is. Well, don't let the dog bite the postman. <laughs> well, I mean, just, you know, put it, put it somewhere else or whatever. I was talking to mailman Chris yesterday, though, who was regaling me uh, off the record with uh, many stories of... Uh, Many stories of folks who answer the door in the nude. Oh. Apparently that's a thing that doesn't just happen in bad porn films. I guess that happens in real life as well. So Really? Anyway, apparently there's a whole he apparently he delivers mail to a whole nudist family. Uh and where it's like dad, mom, two hot daughters, all of them nudists. Uh and he'll just uh, knock on the door if he if he has like a package or something for them and they just answer the door in the uh, in the all together. This guy says, uh, Ted Kennedy cannot be killed. Plane crash, driving off a bridge, arterial blockages, seizures. Was there a plane? Was he in a plane crash? Yes, back in the sixties. Uh, I don't remember. Broke that. his back. Really? Yeah, early sixties. Jesus, he really, he really. Sixty-four, I believe. He really is impervious. Good for you, That's Ted Kennedy. Massachusetts. All right, let's do uh, one more here, and then we'll take a break. Well, a hotel guest toppled to his death from a balcony during a spitting contest. <laughs> is this a Darwin watch? I suppose it is. Another Here's one? your second Darwin watch for a Wednesday on the Rick Emerson or I have a Monday. The bed. about to go down. I don't know what's going on in my brain today. <laughs> I need to be put down. Yeah. Wick Emerson? Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> What's going on in my... Uh, you didn't your my, name. Uh, <laughs> I can't. And I keep thinking it's Wednesday. But no, sadly, the week has only just begun. This enough... Th- I mean, this alone ought to be enough to get me out of jury duty, really. I just stopped. All right. Ah, there Here's your second Darwin watch. So this entitled, Spitting Swiss, Plunges from a Balcony. A hotel guest toppled to his death from a balcony during a spitting contest with a friend. The 29-year-old Swiss man had been uh, taking a run-up to help to give him some extra distance, so he was practicing. So he was running towards the balcony ledge. Mm-hmm. He lost his balance and fell six and a half meters <laughs> to the street below. He was rushed to the hospital in the uh, Swiss town, but died in the hospital from his injury. The two men had suggesting uh, discovering who could spit the furthest from their balcony. <laughs> they were returning home from a disco in an Italian-speaking district. A third friend remained unaware of what was going on and opted to go to bed instead. <laughs> Bob, did you hear that thump? Bob? 
Bob? All right. So to get his final distance for the spinning contest, he drunkenly ran right at the balcony ledge. The end. There you go. Take a break. Back after this, the Rick Emerson Show continues next. Don't go anywhere. the Rick Emerson radio program. The best part about days like this is like the more and more kooky and crazy I get, the more Tim just finds his emotional center and stares blankly ahead into the middle distance. Well done, Tim. Somebody has to do it. Don't let my problems become your problems, Tim Riley. I've never let anybody's problems become my problems. <laughs> That's why I survived so long. Speaking of which, Tim People Riley. I think I care, but in reality. Oh, no. I know the sad, cold truth um, about your disdain for all that walks the earth. I have the best thing for you, though, Tim. You may hate others, but we love you. I've got the best thing to give you. Uh, it, it, have you ever, and, and I, I don't think if I think I asked you this last week, actually, if you ever saw the short-lived Fox sitcom Action. Action. Starring whom? Starring Jay Moore, Buddy Hackett, uh, Ileana Douglas. No. Oh. It is about a, it is about, uh, Jay Moore plays the a studio uh, executives, plays the head of a studio. Um, whose last big budget action film was a major disaster, was a flop. And the it, it only ran for one series. It was brilliant but canceled. It ran for one series, and the series tracks the studio head trying to make a successful big budget action film to make up for the fact that his last movie bombed. And it takes, it, 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 it follows the entire movie from script to casting to filming to post production as he tries desperately, as he encounters all kinds of disasters uh, trying to get a movie made. And it's profane and funny and hilarious. And it's, I don't really know much about Hollywood, but it does really seem like a pretty unflinching and accurate depiction of the way Hollywood works. And it's just relentlessly vile and hilarious. Huh. I'll bring, I'm not familiar with I will bring it in if you want to watch it. I, Tim, I've seen it. It's great. Yeah, All right, then I'll I, watch it. I think you would like it. Did you like the movie The Flayer? Yeah. With Tim Robbins? Yeah. Imagine sort of a funnier, more more profane version of The Player. I think I might enjoy that immensely. All right. I watched it this last weekend again on DVD. I watched it again for the first time. I'll bring it in tomorrow, Tim. All right. I'll be looking forward to Fantastic. it. Fantastic. You know what I'm looking forward to? The election results. I was going to say your news, and then I was going to say, but I don't have to look forward to it anymore, because it's here. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. The big news for fellow Washington is that Michelle and Erica Wheeler, identical twins, are the valid Victorians of their graduating class. Are you kidding me? Eastern Washington town. They say they're attached to the hip, but not by the hair. They can fly by to each <laughs> other and help each other through difficulties. They take tough classes and are members of future Barbers of America. What city is this? Othello. Oh, Othello. Well, I've been to that place. I know what those people are like. Well, they're moving on to Washington State University in Pullman to study pharmacy and live in the same dorm. You know, most uh, most girls in Othello are you know together at the hoof. Well, these are together by the hair. I'm just, I'm just saying. All right. Well, good for them, future farmers of America. And now they're, they're about to become wazoos. Is that what they're called? I do believe. You know what? I, you know what I was thinking about the other day. Uh, I was thinking about how you know the, the uh, Department of 
Is it the Department of Transportation or the DMV, I guess, that's the one in charge of license plates? And there's that whole thing everybody knows where, you know, we've such a tight-ass society that if anybody complains about any personalized vanity plate, it gets pulled. And literally all it takes is one complaint to get a vanity plate pulled off the road. Um, And I was thinking about the fact that because there was somebody who had MILF as one a while back, somebody in Phoenix, they had, you know, which, you know, I mean, and and somebody complained about it. And it got you know got taken off, even though that's a word Tina Fey has used that on Thirty Rock. That phrase has shown up in all sorts of uh, you know all all sorts of uh, of network television shows. But somebody had, but they, the great thing is they come up with like some completely fake justification for it. So like the you know the the, the, the DMV is like so M I L F. What does that stand for? And the guy had anticipated the complaints, and he was like. Uh, it's, uh, the manufacturing of industrial light fixtures, or whatever. Like, he, he totally had some alternate plausible explanation for why he wanted M-I-L-F as his license plate. But the DMV woman, she, like, she wasn't fooled. She wasn't having any of it. But, you know, what I was thinking of is I saw, uh, a license plate a while back that said, it was like, Coog Mom. Uh, uh, which it clearly, you know, she had some kid that it was at WSU, but I was thinking, that is a... My that mom is, has a sticker of that still in... On the back of her car. I was thinking about all of the sort of like middle-aged mom types there are out there that have stickers or license plates or jackets or something that identify them as being cougars, and how that's uh, that's going to start to get somebody kind of an odd glance now and again. Here's Tim Riley. Do you remember that big sinkhole in that small Texas town? Do I ever? Well, now nobody's going to venture anywhere near it because apparently an alligator is listening, uh, living there. Oh. Uh, experts say the air is unsafe for humans because of cracks in the walls and because the hole could start growing again. There's also a large patch of crude oil floating on one side, and it could irrigate the alligator's skin. But so far, the beast seems to be staying to one side. They say to residents, say alligators are common in swamps around their town. Some of the workers up at the old propane gas mill, they used to feed their leftover sandwiches to a nine-foot gator that lived way back there, said a longtime resident. <laughs> really? Yes. Okay. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir or madam, as the case may be. Oh, hey, uh, this is Sean, um, the massage therapist. I had an idea. Um, you know how you were supposed to raise money for the retarded and then you never rode your bike? Yes. Sarah okay. and I both looked at each other and had the same joke in mind there, by the way. But go ahead, sir. <laughs> okay, um, well, the, last week you were talking about how you had this massive amount of porn stockpiled all over the place, and it was just sitting there gathering dust. I imagine with this audience, you could probably auction it off and make some amount of money on it. Let me, can, can I, would you, would, will you be offended if I ask you a question, sir? Oh, go ahead. Is this your real voice? Yes. Why would it not be his real voice? I don't know, because it almost sounds like you're trying to disguise your voice in some fashion. I was wondering if perhaps you were calling under the cover of anonymity. Uh, I... Okay, just out of curiosity, why would I do that? I don't know. I'm saying it just, I can, it sounds because we listen to people talk all day long. We ourselves talk all day long. It sounded, though, as that you were trying to make your voice sound like someone else, and I was wondering if maybe you were somebody of note or someone that we might uh, know from somewhere else. So you are, so you're suggesting that I do what to make up for the charity? Oh, you auction off the porn you have sitting around gathering dust. Oh, so all of the stuff that, like, Taboo Video and those guys have given us. Because, you know what, I got that whole crate of porn that they gave me at the listener party And then you can too. totally give all the money to the Special Olympics, and then you might be... Because we do have the total amount of, of money that you did screw mentally retarded children out of, and I think it was like $7,800. Yes, it was, Sarah. Yes, it was. $7,800 uh, hard-earned dollars. So you're so this is like a... Uh, like a uh, I'm trying to think of like a... Like, not toys for tots, but like a uh, porn for... Porn for... Portlanders. 
something. Now there's something there. All right. So I would then auction off the, the porn, and then that money would go to the charity. Uh, yeah. That's a good idea, sir. I like the way you think. I appreciate the way that you are that being proactive about this and trying to make a have-not into a have. So. Well, I do my best. All right, sir. Excellent. Um, we'll take it under advisement, my friend. Are you spreading the word about this fine radio program? Oh, I definitely am. I love you guys. All right. And I called in about the listener party, but I just, again, I have to say that it was awesome. All right. All right. Well, thank you for being there. We love you right back, sir. Continue listening and spreading the word. You call us anytime. Oh, and really quick, you should stop teaching, teasing Richie about his um, upcoming either uh, transgenderism or sex change. Because, uh -huh. I mean, we, you, we should accept all people, you know, despite them, like, hiding in a closet or hiding things about themselves, you should be supportive of Richie. Oh, no, 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 we are, oh, we we are totally absolutely are. No, supportive, no, 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 sir. No, because he, he wears his dresses and, you know, does his thing, does whatever he is. No, but there's nothing but love for Richie. I mean, really, just imagine how popular that would make us with the uh, with the EEO and Human Resources Department at, CNS, at, we, at, C, uh, at CBS if we actually had a transgendered person. I mean, really, we'd be we'd be invulnerable from any kind of uh, you know human resources lawsuit at that point. Right. Well, all you have to do is keep him on another like two, three years, and he now has the millions of dollars from the oil, so he can afford the operation. That's true. So he can be like that Larry Wachowski guy. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. You're very welcome. You have a good day. Man. You as well, my friend. Thank you. All right. No, no, no. The Rick Emerson Show is inclusive. A big tent here. We welcome all different stripes. Absolutely. Here's Tim Riley. A 53-year-old man from British Columbia managed to drive to safety after a grizzly bear mauled his head and tossed him to the ground of the woods. The incident took place near uh, a surveying job of the rugged central coast area of B.C. He came up from behind me and started gnawing on the back of my head. Wow. Really? The pain was excruciating. I didn't know whether to yell or scream, but I thought I'd play dead. Uh, I thought to myself, he's eating my brain. I can feel it. <laughs> oh, oh, you have to warn us God. when you're going to say things like that. <laughs> I'm too young to die. I don't want to die. And then the bear stops. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's fine. Everything's going to be okay, Tim. My head is swollen and bloody. <laughs> I can barely get my keys out of my pocket. Oh, yeah, everything's going to be okay. So he, he, uh, drove, to the, uh, he drove to the hospital. Ooh. A game warden uh, later found the bear and shot him and killed him out of spite. <laughs> He's now recovering from uh, numerous wounds and is receiving a uh, plastic head. <laughs> He's not receiving. <laughs> I'm almost sure that's not true, Tim. <laughs> well, plastic uh, and the part of the head that he lost to the bear. Oh, some, like some sort of a, like a medical They're yarmulke. Not entire plastic. Yeah, they don't have them in stock. No. <laughs> I could feel choose him choose eating one. my brain. Oh God. Stop. All right. Wow. Oh, well, I, I won't awful. talk about it anymore. I don't think that's possible, though, that you can feel that. Well, he did. Well, well that's guess, what he claims. I guess who am I to challenge his take on things? That's true. Seems like he is a he is an eyewitness who uh, sounds like... Sounds like he barely survived. Ma, ma, ma. Story sponsored ma. by Tourism BC. Seriously. <laughs> All right. Well, on a happier note... An New Orleans Burger King recently got a visit from a drag queen with a gun. Security camera showed the man wearing a dress with a revealing bust line and hair barrettes climbing through the window at a Burger King. He held the employees at gunpoint demanding money, exited through the same drive through window, and drove away. Uh, the thief was probably a genuine cross-dresser, not to be confused with a fake one, because his necklace matched the dress, his nails appeared to be painted, and the wig was well-made. Most of the time, somebody puts on a wig and they're just trying to hide their identity, something like a Halloween mask. But this one was pretty. Uh, they were surprised that the thief didn't cover his face, and I guess it didn't matter in this case. 
There's a strong possibility that this person is a cross-dresser or someone in that community. That community. The suspect is six foot one and weighs 180 pounds. And I'm looking at this grand jury thing here. A uh, special jury summons by the order of presiding judge. Hope I'm not breaking the law by reading this. Let's see. Uh, oh, is this about you? Eight weeks they want me for. Eight weeks. You are hereby summoned to serve as a juror for a special jury panel. Your service is for one trial, which is estimated to last eight weeks. Seriously. Yeah, I gotta get out you of gotta now. Figure out how to well, it's supposed to start to be the... like a Charles Manson. Thing. And it's supposed to start at the end of May too, so I gotta figure that out. Like May thirtieth. Tell me you're in the middle of a sweeps week. Yeah, that's exactly what I'll do, Tim. They'll be very understanding. Let's see here. Blah blah blah. Please bring this with you. Are you a U.S. citizen? Blah blah blah. And then it has this whole thing about. Well, can't you get like your you? I am a woman breastfeeding a child. What? Can you get your you to write a letter like you did for me? <laughs> well, that's the thing is, I'm always the one. Can I tell you, by the way, that um, that letter that I wrote for you that got you out of jury service, uh, which is you know, which is as it should have been, because you of course cannot be absent because the entire uh, the entire show depends upon you and so and forth. She, and she would probably know the details since she sits right across from a newsman. I suppose that's and it's true. Did I write one of these for you as well, Tim? No, nobody's calling me. Um, but I well, this is why you should never vote because if you vote, then the government just wants you to do crap. So, uh, but I wrote a, a letter for Sarah to get her up jury duty. Can, jury duty. Can I tell you that I don't know if you gave that to anybody else, if you showed it to somebody else. I showed it. To, I, I know exactly specifically who you're talking about. Because it was like there was somebody else who apparently used exactly the same. Um, they used exactly the same letter. It was genius. So that template. Do you still have it? Oh, I'm sure if I do. Because I'm just going to write it to describe me, and then I'm going to give it to uh, I'm going to give it to to uh, you know to to uh, uh, the uh, the you know the, the management level above myself, and just have them do it. Because apparently it did the job. That one that I wrote you, uh, I guess, was you know it, fairly well constructed. Oh, there must be a copy of it floating around. Apparently, it's floating around CBS because I hear I hear that there's like two or three other people at this company who have used that same letter I wrote for you. It's like a well crafted. Um, it's like a well-crafted term paper that then ends up on that, uh, you know, like on, on one of those websites where they sell you the answers or something. Crap, I just got an email from someone saying they got summoned to the federal grand jury and they had to serve for 18 months. Jesus. That must be boring. I would hang somebody for that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that, me too, Tim. Me too, Tim. I don't care how flimsy the evidence might be. I would make sure that he was punished capitally. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yes, it's Carl and Kenton. Those uh, federal grand juries never go to trial. Really? Is that true? So yeah, they they bugged me for about two years, and uh, as soon as I got the day of, I got ready to go down there. They said it was canceled. All right, let's see. So what is, you're, you're you're in the clear. Don't worry about it. What is today? Today is the what? Today is the nineteenth. Oh, I got to do it like tomorrow then, because it says the deadline for requesting to be excused is one week before your service begins, which means I got to do it by Friday. So I got to do that like tomorrow. Tell them no matter what, you want to waterboard them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Thank you, sir. All right. There you go. Well, and I'm in the media, too, right? Yeah. And I promise to come less. and... You know what? <laughs> Such as it is. <laughs> I'm a member of a so-called news organization, the Edward R. Murrow Network. And you know what? And I would not be able to stop myself from talking about the details of this trial on the air every day for four hours, tainting the jury pool. You would never be able to stop your monologue. And really, I do have to... wouldn't be able to control you. No, and I do have to say that anybody else who was uh, summoned to this jury, which is going to be convening on 5.30, 2008, uh, 9 a.m. in jury room 130 uh, for an eight-week trial, I know that you all want to hang that guilty bastard, too. Absolutely. Every one of you. All of you. All of you. I'm just in kind of a hanging mood. (laughs) The Lord loves a hanging, Sarah. Uh, All right, let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. 
What's up? Um, have you, I just wanted to point something out. Have you ever seen Uncle Buck? I have indeed. All right. You know when he's uh, laughing at Buck? <laughs> yeah, that's what you sound like when you laugh. I've got Uncle Buck's laugh when he's, have you ever heard of a ritual killing? <laughs> yes, you do. Somebody pointed that out, actually. I've heard that before, that I laugh not like John Candy as such, but I laugh like John Candy as Uncle Buck. Yep. There are worse things. I'll take an Uncle Buck comparison. All right. Well, listen from now on. Now get in your mouse and get out of here. That wasn't okay. That wasn't really wasn't, directed at you, sir. You don't even have a mouse. I, I think that he thought that you were trying to be mean. You should see the toast. I can't even get it in the front door. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick, what's going on? What's up, brother? Hey, this is Justin, the guy that brought you the prison cards. Awesome. Oh yeah, excellent. Hello, sir. Hey, hey. So anyway, the best way to get up to radio, you say the letter doesn't work, you actually have to go in. Just tell him that you'll side with the police no matter what. Because I'm a strong believer in law and order. That's right, because that's right. how it ought to be. The only other time I got out of jury duty, I was in Iraq, and they said I was predisposed. So. <laughs> All right. Thank you, my friend. Later. All right. It is almost worth going, just so I can go through that voir process or whatever they call it, the jury selection process, just so I could do, just say a whole bunch of insane crap. You know what I mean? Have you, do, do you ever watch Curb Your Enthusiasm when Larry David's trying to get off? You know, that's truck. another show that I just, I feel bad that I haven't watched more of it, because it is... It is so much like a sort of, it's like a Woody Allen movie as TV show, where he's like neurotic and hateful and whatever. Mm -hmm. So, no, but the answer is no. I oh, there's this, yeah, there's this genius part when he's trying to get out of jury dirty and he pretends to be racist. Really? It's horrible. You know, of course, like as, as every Kirby Enthusiasm show does, you know, it comes full circle toward the end, you know, just like in Seinfeld yeah, where course. there's a callback. It's just horribly awkward and hilarious. Just put on, just wear like a big, just a big swastika. So, <laughs> No, 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 bring the defendant in and just uh, sit there in a big brown shirt. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, this is Jim. What's up? Howdy. Howdy right back, sir. How can I help you today? Um, so, uh, uh, if you need reference for your letter, I actually have that episode or whatever you want, that show on podcast that I can send you. Oh, really? Where we constructed Sarah's jury duty letter? Yeah, I've got like a whole best of Rick Emerson, you know, the, the one where the... Uh, Donkey running amok in uh, the yeah, hotel. And, yeah, yeah. You know, That's a classic. Best story ever. If you need that, I could send it to you. That would be fantastic. Cause apparently the letter that, I, that we wrote for Sarah did the job, and I don't remember what it said, but I guess it was good enough that several other people at CBS have used that same template that I wrote, which is great. Oh. It's kind of flattering in a way that, uh, you know, it's sort of like living on. If I were to die tomorrow, the jury duty ex excusing letter that I've written continues, you know, it will live on past me. Oh, well, and actually, the one that was really fantastic is when, when you had the individual on the telephone and you were talking to him, and, and you were so diplomatic. Was, I don't remember that. You don't? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you called them on the air. Did I call oh, the jury yeah, woman yeah, on the did. air? Yeah. Oh, you have to listen to this. It was... It I don't really remember that at all. Yeah. I'm a genius. Uh-huh. You, you absolutely you are, brother. I have no. I'm not trying to be. No, you didn't put the woman on the air. But yeah, but it was. But I was talking to on the cell phone or whatever. I was talking yeah. to her. I have no recollection of that. I do. Oh, oh yeah, it was fantastic. And then Sarah's back in the background. She's like, when Rick wants to, he can be really, you know, uh, you know, businesslike or whatever. Oh, and, so Rick, under I, pressure, he is just all business. Did I send the facts and then do like a phone follow up with her? That no, you called her to find out what you needed to do to get to get oh, me off because um, you said that you couldn't do the show without me. Okay, and then she gave me the contact info and I sent her the letter. Okay, yep. all right then. Yep. Well, I'll have to all listen right. back to that at some point and reminisce about how great I am. All right, okay, well, well, thank you, sir. Take care. Have a good Please day. do. Thank you.
Hey, everybody, come see how great I am. Oh, there have been situations where I've heard you be very businesslike outside the show. And, uh, am I'm, I in the right room? I can pretend Seriously. to be respectable. Yeah, you can be. For short periods of time. Yeah. For small bursts of time. No, you're always, like, different when we're out, too, because, like, we get to see the kooky wild side of you, and then when you're out, sometimes you're just all business-like. It's like a good day at Black Rock. (laughs) I'm really boring. (laughs) I'll do one more call, one more story, and then we'll come back with uh, Peter Carlin and the Top 5. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. This is me. Hello, sir. Oh, hi, Rick. Two quick things. This is uh, Job Shadow Julius Dad, George. Hello, sir. I'm sorry, I was distracted by the... Unbelievably high volume of Sarah's carrot crunching on the other side of the room. I was trying to turn it off. That was the loudest carrot I've ever heard in my life. Can you do that one more time? At least you choose your food well. No, I gotta get. I have to get another. Carrot. All right, hold on, Sarah. Wait, just wait for it. We have to do. We have to do. I find another one that big though. All right, just. just I'll finish eating this. One. All right, we'll wait. Mm. Please stand by. <laughs> I might have to open another bag because this one isn't big. We'll wait. Ah, here we go. All right. KCMD Portland. Here we go. (laughs) I don't want to choke on it. Wow. That is really impressive. That was. That almost sounds like... That almost sounds fake like a radio sound effect where, like, there would be someone breaking whole, um, like, clutches of celery into the microphone to simulate that sound. Mm. All right. You're like a walking Foley room. All right. Uh, go ahead, sir. What is your what is your comment? Oh, I just wanted to let you know you don't have to vote to uh, get jury duty. They, first of all, go to DMV records. So, um, and plus, if all else fails, they can just walk outside the courthouse and grab you off the street. Really? Yeah. <laughs> And the uh, the second thing is, uh, I have an Uncle Buck. His name was short for Buckshot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Are you from Vancouver by chance, originally? No, I'm, I'm from your neighborhood, brother. <laughs> well, that, that also makes sense. All right, thank you, sir. Okay, have a good one. Thank Bye. you. All right. All right. He says proudly. Yes. Let's do one more here, then we'll take a break. Come back with Peter Carlin. Well, police say a truck loaded with 14 tons of double-stuffed Oreos is overturned, spilling the cookies still in their plastic sleeves. Into the roadway. This happened in Morris, Iowa. Uh, the state police say the truck driver was traveling from Chicago about 4 a.m. when he fell asleep at the wheel and slammed into the medium. Boxes came out of the trailer and the boxes ripped open. The crash was about uh, several miles uh, southwest of Chicago. It remains under investigation. No charges have been filed, but it's been closed, the road anyway, until they clean up all the cookies. You know, I don't know anybody who really likes double stuff Oreos. Those seem like a thing that exists solely as to be like a pop culture punchline. They exist only to be referenced. Uh, and they always sound like a good idea. You know, I need some of these. Like, I can see why Double Step Oreos exist. That must have been a thing where, like, in the conference room at, you know, Nabisco or whatever, they were throwing around ideas. and Well, everybody likes the filling. Let's just make twice the filling. But in reality, you get about three into those, and they kind of turn on you really quickly. It all goes sort of bad in your digestive system. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Peter Carlin around the corner. Later on, the top five songs that trashy girls sing at karaoke to try to look sexy. Stay there. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Back after this. You're welcome. Darn it. It started early because I hit the car button. Every time you play that, I try to wonder why I would have said some of those things, and I'm no closer to understanding any of it. 
Doesn't it make you kind of question yourself? Like the thing about I was waiting for the anus. Like, why would I ever have said that? I mean, on the air. I mean, it doesn't make any sense at all. It makes absolutely no sense. I don't know. Well, what can you do? Hey, Richie Bristol, can you obtain Peter Carlin for us? That would be fantastic. All right, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Just a moment, we'll talk with uh, Oregonian TV critic and man about town, Peter Carlin. And uh, so forth. Let's see, what else do we have here? Rick. Uh, this is, uh, well, lots of emails uh, about uh, the Richie and asking if there are a, uh, or photographs. I don't know, are there photographs uh, out there of, of the bowling thing from Saturday? Or yeah, there's Sunday, some. Rather? Yeah, Caver and uh, Janice took some. Caver. All right. That's why every time I would say her name last night, I would just... You had to fight back the urge. No, I would finish it mentally. I'd be like, I barely know. Okay. It's like, it's a tick now. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, Richie yeah. has a Richie has a picture of you and him and I from... Is it on his MySpace page? It's his is profile it, pic on the MySpace. Is it terrible? Oh, it's, yeah, it's awesome. All right. Let me look at that right now. Oh, no, wait, no, it's, no, it's not you, but he has some of you in there. So, it's uh, Caver and I and him wearing that... Colorful lady scarf on his head. Yes. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. Oregonian TV critic and man about town, raconteur Peter Carlin. Hello, sir. Hey, man. How are you? What's up with you, brother? Um, I'm sitting here in the basement watching Hillary Clinton on... Um... <laughs> on uh, on the town hall from the other night, uh, where there was like a, a it was I mean it was hand picked audience was it not? Yeah, but it was I think it was actually hand picked by KGW. Uh, so because I mean it was very it was small though it was like fifty people. Yeah. So what is the logic behind? I mean I understand they want to have a friendly crowd and all, but I mean it just it, it I mean I don't know who's doing her advance work, but it does seem. Unless she was absolutely trying to do some sort of weird counter programming, mm-hmm. like having just a small crowd like that on the same day that Barack or the same weekend that the Barack Obama was going to get like nine million people to show up, just I mean, really, it just seems like phenomenally poor planning. No, well, see, theoretically, though, you see, Hillary does well in these sort of small type of environment things. I mean, I think one on one and in, in smaller groups, um, she actually seems way more kind of sympathetic than she does in large groups. I don't think that, you know, those big rallies don't seem to, to, to play to her strength. And yet, theoretically, you know, way more than 75,000 people are going to be watching this TV show around the state, right? So so there's your thinking. And, and so I don't think that she looked necessarily, you know, bad in comparison as a result of Barack's big, uh, uh, big you know, big get-together. Barack's big day out. His big day out, though, you know, that was a huge, huge story. Enorm- I mean, you know, and it's being played up in a huge way. People are just astonished. Well, it's a drudge that had it as his lead story for about two days now. Yeah. And I was, pardon me, I was just talking to our good friend Lisa Desjardins from CNN, uh, who you met on. Uh, ah, the on... lovely Lisa Desjardins. Right. Nice, nice save. Um, the uh, but we we were talking about this. She said that at CNN they're actually looking into whether it is the single largest primary, like sort of stump turnout ever, uh-huh. which they think it might be. Uh, they think it might be the single largest turnout for any primary speech. Yeah. Since they've been you know keeping track of those things. Right. I mean it was really massive, and I mean I it's un I mean I'm unclear about whether they knew there was going to be I mean if they, I mean it, I mean I knew it was going to be a big turnout, but I don't think anybody really expected to pick up the paper and see there were seventy five thousand people there. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, I went to the uh, rally they did at Memorial Coliseum um, at the end of March, I guess it was, right before spring break. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, I mean, that was mu- uh, whatever it was, a Friday morning or something, work time, you know, and it was like, um, 
you know, and that was full. I mean, that was clearly or nearly full, nearly full. So they had like, you know, 12,000 people in there. And so that seemed kind of like a big deal, you know, and where people were willing to ditch work and school and everything and at the last moment and get tickets and go to this thing, you know. But, you know, and I thought, well, that was, you know, that was kind of a big deal. Um, and it was reported as such. But then to, to draw seven times that number. Uh, well, there was a listener of ours who was downtown, I guess, sort of in line somewhere for the Obama thing. And he said at one point, he said it was by the Heathman, uh-huh. which is how far. I mean, that line just went forever. The and, line went back to the Heathman? Uh, it was, I, I, it was in, in, uh, he was either in line or on his way to the line. But, I mean, I had to actually swing through down. We were doing a charity event yesterday for the station, but I had to swing through Portland beforehand, and the line was like six across and just miles long. Wow. I mean, everywhere I went. And anyway, this guy said he was down by the Heathman, and he said at one point, that's where Bill and Chelsea were staying. And at one Looking point... Looking out the window. <laughs> exactly. That's ex- he said at one point, the windows went down, and Bill leaned out of one and just was like scoping out the Obama line. And Hillary sort or uh, Chelsea sort of leaned out of the other one and kind of went eh, and just sort of went back in and the window went back up and I mean it's very telling that you know not even Hillary wouldn't even hear she was in Kentucky uh, yeah. by that time so Bill, you know I, I sort of imagine Bill with a Mister microphone you know <laughs> hey baby I'll take you up in an hour um, no, I hate to be I, I don't mean to be cruel no I mean look be cruel Pi he was the president he can take it I mean really who cares if you pile on the Clintons at this point I mean they were the most most powerful people in the world for almost a decade uh, they can take their lumps at this point and I mean I don't mean I don't mean to be mean about it but I mean it's yeah. you know, it's not like you're picking on like you know it's not like you're picking on the poorest of the poor or the lowest of the low with those guys yeah did you see the thing with Hillary Clinton today though did you see she went to Kentucky and she went to a church service where the sermon was on adultery Oh, no, really? fantastic! She went. Uh, Tim Riley just had that story. Whatever church she was at, the um, the the and I, I I would love to know how this came to be. But she's there, like in the front row, as the pastor kicks off today's sermon, which is about infidelity. Yeah. And I believe he did kick off his. He started the whole sermon with the phrase, "How strong is the level of commitment in your marriage?" And I guess she just sort of looked straight ahead the entire time. Really? So. And they couldn't? And, and did God bring down that sound effect? <laughs> wah, 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 you know? uh, so, so how does she play on the uh, on the town hall thing? You know, she. Um, she I, I I have mixed feelings. On the one hand, you know, she she's super smart and she's really, you know, I think she's got a lot of interesting ideas and she can talk chapter and verse about them all. You know, she's not tripping over her syntax. She's clearly engaged intellectually. On the other hand, she's willing to say or do anything to get elected. Well, she is very and, much the Tracy Flick uh, yeah, well, you know, of this election thing, cycle. And the thing about the structure of the show, which I've uh, seen half of so far, so I can't judge the entire thing just yet. I'm only catching up, right? But um, the thing that I'm struck by is that there's, at least so far, there's no such thing. The way the whole thing is structured is that there's, there are no follow-up questions. So she's free to make bizarre, you know, completely, you know, spun out of control assertions. Right. Like saying, well, I have more popular votes than Barack. You know, but, but that, that's only if you factor in Michigan and Florida. And let's not forget that he wasn't even on the ballot in Michigan. And as far as the Democratic Party is concerned, was concerned at the time and is still concerned, those rate, those are not, uh, those, those, those don't count. You know, they had been disqualified. Uh, you know, before uh, before election day, in both you know, just because they, they you know they they set their 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 elections too early, and everybody knows it, and yet they're doing this thing of pretending that it's not 
you know, that, that that ruling, you know, never took place, and it's completely unfair that, they, that they've all been disenfranchised. Well, she does have that great thing of just saying stuff and saying it with such authority and with such clarity, and you can tell with such self-conviction that she just assumes no one will challenge it ever. Yeah. It was, she had that great line she'd been rolling out where she said, uh, you know, that she's had 35 years of public service. Right, right, right. Which is... I mean, I guess one of those things that is maybe technically true in some vague, broad sort of sense. Mm-hmm. The Daily Kos, though, had the best single line about that about that claim of hers, uh, which is like you know, which is like saying saying Hillary has foreign policy experiences, like saying Yoko was a beetle, you know? Yeah. And I mean, you can't, but but again, she just you can tell, and you can tell when you watch her that she, and that's why I go back to that Tracy Flick analogy for the movie Election, where you, you can tell that in her head. She just cannot believe or comprehend that she isn't beating this guy, right? I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I mean, I used to, I mean, I used to see that. I saw that on the look of on the face of John Kerry at one point. Mm-hmm. I remember um, seeing John Kerry, uh, you know, in those debates, and you could just see the look on his face, like I cannot believe that it's even a contest with this with this clown. Right. Uh, and I think Hillary has that now, and not that not that Obama's a clown, but I mean, just that she she herself. So firmly believes herself, with some justification, to be, you know, the the heir apparent because she had the party apparatus, the legacy. At one point, had the money. Mm-hmm. Clearly, is is a shrewd woman, uh, very in touch with with both uh, politics and the what Henry Kissinger called the real politic of how things work. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll be curious to see how she bows out of this because. You just get the feeling that the Clintons, the, 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 the politics, I mean, it really is their entire life. That, that I just don't know what they would do other than this. Well, they're, you know, and, and I'm sure she's, well, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I can't, uh, I have a hard time can just completely condemning uh, condemning her or, you know, or, or, or any of the, the three candidates who are left in the race at this point. Because I feel like, you know, at the heart of them all, there's some, you know, some sense of, you know, I feel like they're at least less craven than than you know generations of politicians we've seen in the in the recent or the the not so distant the past. And so, so I try to be a little ecumenical on that level. Well, maybe. I mean, and I have no problem with, and unlike a lot of people, I I have no problem with Hillary still being in the race. Yeah. Her continue. I know there was you know a lot of the drum the drum beat that she must leave, she must quit, and I and I always thought that that was a little unfair too because I sent um, my friend Chris Needham was talking about. You know, he couldn't believe Hillary Clinton was still running. This was some weeks ago. Yeah. And I and I you know, sent off an email saying that it was a little galling to me, regardless of one's partisanship, that it was a little irritating to me that in America, which is the land of fighting against long odds, and, you know, never give in and never surrender, and where, the, the you know, the first chapter in every great business success story is that you were, you know, everybody had written you off. And well, but, that, see, but here's the only thing that I would disagree with in this case. I think that by any... Any rational metric on how uh, delegates will be uh, apportioned, unless something enormous changes, unless for some reason all the rules are suspended and everything must change for some bizarre reason, she has been mathematically um, eliminated. Oh, it's sure. like it's like saying it's like if you're you know you get to the NBA championships and you know the Celtics have won four games and 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 uh, you know and the Lakers have won two. You don't have to play the seventh game, you know. <laughs> that's just, I mean, and I think that's where we are. I mean, and I think that that will become even more clear as of tomorrow night. I think that, you know, unless, of course, you change the rules and suddenly say, well, actually, now we've decided there's going to be nine games. Right. Which is what, the, you know, I think the equivalent of adding, 
you know, or, or trying to put those, that Michigan and Florida thing. Not only are there going to be nine games, but we already played these two ones. You know. Well, I think Hillary is, you know, Hillary's campaign at this point is very much it's sort of this political charge of the light brigade. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so there's a certain, I guess, sort of romance to it in that sense. But I know that I think it's generally accepted for the longest time. She was just she the mantra, I think, within that campaign has just been if we can somehow make it to the convention. And and the theory, I think, was that the Clintons are so wired into the party apparatus and the mechanics of it that they know all the sort of right figurative levers to pull within the party, and that if it ever made it to the convention, that she would have a fighting chance there. And that was, I think, the, the sort of game plan for the last few months. But I think the real politic of the Democratic Party at this point is that people have, I think, would have to have figured out. I mean, it would be absurd. I mean, something insane would have to come out about Obama. You know, there has to be some intangible X that happens, you know, between here and the con- a convention where the superdelegates and everyone are going to just suddenly reverse course. Right. Because I think when you see Barack Obama getting 75,000 people at a, you know, at a rally for a, for a primary, you know, and you see those kind of numbers and that kind of excitement and the amount of money he's, you know, managed to raise on the Internet, then, um, you know, it's like, why do you want to dump that guy? Right. It has to be something huge. Like, they have to have, like, film of him murdering somebody. <laughs> you know, I mean, literally. I, 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 no, I, believe. I'm with you. Uh, it, it does. It, I'm really intrigued to see once Obama is really officially anointed here, uh, how things start to shape up. Because McCain, a because he's just a less dynamic and less charismatic figure, yeah. and b because you know they've been content to just sit and let Barack and Hillary throw manure at each other. I will be curious to see because that that GOP apparatus is just in many ways so just efficient and evil. I will be, and I mean, I'm just saying this. I'm just, I mean, I, you know, it doesn't matter to me. I'm just saying from an outside observational point, you know, that GOP, they have just raised to a fine art just the 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 ability to take people apart into small pieces. Well, they're pretty down and dirty, but the thing is, is that he has, I think, the uh, one of the interesting liabilities that John McCain, uh, uh, you know, sort of hands to to the, to the Republicans is that he is that there's a real human in there. And he's actually, you know, suffered, and and he understands, the, you know, the stakes of, you know, uh, he's not just one of these golf club patriots, right. you know, he's actually been out there, and he knows, you know, what the, what the inning and the score is in terms of, you know, what, you know, I think that he's a real, in some ways, of, you know, you know, an inherently moral and. and Tested by fire type of guy. I mean, is the, the the thing that I've been saying for forever now is, and it, it's true. I think that's my fantasy. At least that's what I want to believe. You, you want to, you want to believe that deep, lurking somewhere deep inside is a small, beating gray heart. Yeah. Well, I think anyone who's been tortured, like who's sat up and actually, and, and actually chose not to be, not to get sent home, right? And actually sat there with his, with his, with his, with his, uh, his colleagues. No, I mean, he, patriots uh, that, you know. You know Play my flesh some more because I'm not leaving my friends behind. Well, and he sort of lived what the Republican, what many of the Republican politicians, sort of only sort of mouth. Well, yeah. I mean, that is he is he is the embodiment of a thing that has unfortunately just become a bumper sticker uh, for most people. Uh, and also, you know, and 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 in fact, politically, he's also kind of lived through a lot of that too. Although that's uh, obviously the two aren't comparable, but he's lived through, you know, having more than his. You know, more than more than his share of mud flung his way. Well, in just yeah. you know, just very scurrilous sort of underhanded tactics. And, well, you know, he, but he's got a certain. I mean, everybody's got a little situational ethic, and he's got his going on as well. You know, so I mean, he's for all his talk about you know uh, 
staying away from lobbyists and crooked forms of, you know, of gathering, you know, or shady forms of gathering campaign money together. I mean, I think he's done his share and maybe then some, arguably. But, but anyway, but that's that's an interesting thing. Hey, can I just say, uh, just changing the subject. Wait, are you though. going to talk about Lost? No. Okay, I was going to say because Sarah hasn't seen the last ten minutes of it, so. <gasps> Yeah, don't say anything. I'm going to watch it after the show. Whatever today. you do, don't miss the last ten minutes. Yeah, right. Um, they all get killed. It's amazing. Uh, no, uh, no, the party the other night. Yes. Astonishing. I can't tell you. I was, uh, I was just uh, blown away. You were fantastic, and I was actually going to lead him to first of all to thank you for your participation. I know that it was. Uh, you know, thank you. I think yes, it's, it's like that's like the, the military. Thank you for your service. Well, I mean, it's because I know that you maybe weren't quite sure what to expect because although you did remind us repeatedly that you'd roasted for thousands of people in the past, uh, that I'm so cool that way. Aren't I? I also like the part where you said I was condescending. That was my favorite part. That was the part I cried about later. <laughs> Into your pillow. Yeah. Um, the uh, uh, but I I know that our parties can be a little bit of a different vibe than maybe things that people go to, and frankly, different than most other. Well, and most other radio events are not. I mean, ours are cut from a little bit of a different cloth. Uh, but you were great. The, uh, you know, I did my. You actually, no disrespect to any of the other roasters, uh, but my yours was the one that my wife went on and on and on about later. We uh, so that and the one where Storm claimed that I raped her. So there was that. <laughs> one of the. Uh, I can't remember if this was Sarah or if it was the beautiful Lisa Desjardins. How does she pronounce? I'm sorry. Desjardins. 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 Yes. My French is, is lame except for when I'm swearing. Um, uh, somebody, when she was in the middle of that, when she got to the rape part, yeah. one of those, I heard it coming from some woman's mouth not far away from me. This is messed up. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been me messed. after I spit. Like, that was when I, I, Sarah I had a mouthful spit her of, cocktail out. Yeah, I had a mouthful of cocktail. Just, like, spit it all over Lisa Desjardins. That's how I was just <laughs> like, I did not expect that. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I had never been in such close quarters with uh, Storm Large before. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I, like, and I always had, like, like I knew she had it going on, and, and, and I had all the respect and love and, and admiration. But being in such close quarters, it was like it was. I just it was phenomenal. There's something breathtaking about that about that young woman. She is just really so charismatic and smart. You just get the sense that she's operating on a whole other plane. Yeah, know? no, I, I really. It's one of those things where I just have to kind of worship the ground she floats gently above. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, she's she's got the intangible it. Several several intangibles. Uh, yeah, just the certain the whatever she's got the uh, I don't know the whatever, whatever it is the golden glow. Well, the I other suppose. thing that's fabulous is that physically as well as um, intellectually and and creatively, she's larger than life. So thoroughly larger than yeah. life. No, she she is almost. I mean, it, it, she's almost like an entertainer put together by some focus group to, yeah, to yeah, be perfect. And that yeah. is her real name, too. I and mean, that's her that real name. That's like, the that other great a, thing. That isn't a stage really, last name. Yeah, yeah Storm Large is, believed it. Her, her name is, is Storm Susan Large. How is that possible? I don't know, but that's like one of those things. We always joke that if you give your daughter a certain, if you name her Jasmine, she'll become a stripper. Uh, if you, you know, Storm Large, I mean, she is this sort of perfect, larger-than-life confluence of, of talent and charisma and skill and whatever. So, yeah, she's yeah, I just, uh, naturally, how could that not be just like a really cool stage name mm -hmm. that somebody yeah. put together, that no. somebody just figured out? Like, no, it's... Because it's so, it's, it's so, it's kind of random, only it makes total sense. It's perfect. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, that was when she was on that Rockstar Supernova show. That was the first thing everybody would ask and she would have to she got i think she must have gotten really tired of saying my name is storm susan large and my mom i forget she had some story about her mom picked out the name or whatever and it just it all kind of came together so yeah it really is 
It is perfect. And then, you know, the court and fat boy killed it. And you were the good thing is that nobody was good in exactly the same way, mm. you know, and then Sarah was, uh, you know, was mean and, and cutting and wonderful and all the things that people love about her. So, yeah, yeah. And, well, thank you for being part of it. I really do. Uh, it does. You know, if I can be maudlin for a moment, it really does mean a lot that you uh, that, that you came to our kind of donkey show of a roast. So, oh, no, it was a thrill. I was really glad uh, to be invited. So. Well, it's uh, and, you know, everybody with that place was packed. I mean, it's uh, yeah, I mean, there was, was a, I mean, they had to cut off admission to the crystal ballroom at one point which i didn't think was possible so uh, well yeah without a doubt yeah. there was this weird moment where we were walking up the stairs and um and i've seen a lot of shows at the crystal over the years right uh-huh. so um and uh and, and you know how like when they turn the lights out or whatever at a show and then there's a big roll right. you know what that's like right? oh yeah and this time it was like i was like walking up to the stage when that happened and it was just this bizarre feeling of like Oh my God! And then we sat up there for like, and then we like we walked out on stage, the roasters, and there was another great cheer from people who I think were confused, thinking that something significant was going to happen. <laughs> and then and then we sat down at the desk, and nothing happened. It was just us, right, here blinking out at this crowd, who were blinking back at us, hoping that we were going to do something interesting. And then the we're, band started playing, and, and then it was, it was like, oh, thank God! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for a while it was just silence, just us sitting there with nothing. Just them staring at you, making you sweat. I was going to grab the mic. I was literally reaching for the mic to say something witty, but then fortunately the band kicked in. Well, it was uh, it was a it was a pretty a many splendid night, as Faye Dunaway would say in the movie Network. So, are there photos and things? Ah, uh, there are. In fact, we had our good. Where are the AM nine seventy ones? Our good friends from Vanished Twin Photography, who are sort of CBS's in-house professional photographers, were there shooting all night, and uh, I think they spent this last weekend kind of sorting through that stuff. So within the next, I would imagine, day or so, we're going to start seeing some photographs from that night. Ah, right on. So I will. I will. Up on your site, on the Rick Emerson site. Uh, at at 970.am, and then probably scattered throughout our other various web pages. I'll make sure you know about it, my brother. Mm, okay. All right. Thank you, Peter Wait. Carlin. All right. My All right. pleasure. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You did you have more to say? Did I? Uh, no, I think I'm done. I'm sort of like crazy because I'm on. Well, anyway, I'll, I'll. You and you and me too, brother. All right. Uh, all right. We will we will talk to you at some point in the immediate future. Thank you again for next Thursday. I'll let you know when the photos come in, sir. Oh yes, please do. Thank you, Peter Carlin. All right. When we come back, somebody who says she's on the same jury as I am, uh, Tim Riley, and the top five songs that trashy girls sing to try to look hot at karaoke. Stay there. Radio program. Thank you for coming along. In just one moment, we'll get a phone call or two. The top five. Here's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Humor at the gas pump. Gas is accidentally sold for 42 cents a gallon. Nah, nah. At least one gas customer. Uh, let's make that many more. I got a pleasant surprise from record prices. But apparent error left them with a tank full of gas that only costs 42 cents a gallon. This happened at DDD Shell and Food Mart at 320 uh, Military Road. Oh, this is way up north in Auburn, Washington. Uh, James Floyd was shocked to look at his receipt and discovered that 12 gallons only cost him $4.95. The receipt also shows the price of gasoline, 41.9 cents. Uh, so uh, King 5 contacted the station at 540. Tell him about the mistake. Spoke to a clerk who was unaware of the error. 
She said the price change had been keyed in sometime between 2.30 and 3 p.m., about three hours early. Oh, that guy's unbelievably freaking mm -hmm. fired. Yeah. I it's mean, really? how many gallons were sold no at one... the unexpected discount <laughs> or how much money the station lost as a result. He couldn't be more fired if he was a gun. Hi, uh, you're He's on the Rick Emerson hero, radio program. Really, to the people. Hi. Hi. Hey. Hey, um, I have a summons to appear at the same um, jury duty thing as you. Well, and so this is the eight-week jury thing? It is. Are you going to be uh, serving your country and community? Well, since I haven't thought of a good reason to get out of it yet, since I'm not working or anything, um, I've got out of jury, jury duty probably two or three times in the past. See, I think this is the first time I've ever been called for it, actually. Well, I used to live in Clackamas County, and I got called by them like <laughs> there three times. Of, there's, there's plenty of juries needed there all the time. Well, don't they give you <laughs> well, like $5 or yet. something to do it? I'm sorry, what? Don't they pay you like $9 a day? I thought it was like $5. It's some like unbelievably minuscule amount, yeah. Yeah, it's $10 a day for the first two days and then $25 a day every day after. It seems like just to keep the criminal justice system flowing smoothly, it, ought to have, you know, it should have to double every three days. Yeah, I think so. And not only that, but they pay you like 20 cents a mile. But I don't know where I can get gas for that. Yeah. Well, I uh, I mean, it would be a shame if you were not able to serve. Yeah, well, it would, but um, I don't really know what the rules are. But if I do have to serve, maybe I could let you know what's going on with it. What you're missing out on, all the great fun. I think if you imply to them that you're going to do that, that will almost certainly get you kicked off the jury. So if that's <laughs> what you're looking for, letting them know that you're going to keep the media uh, informed as to every development in the case, that might be enough right there, not that I'm advocating that you do that. <laughs> yeah, well, right. well... Well, good luck with that. Uh, yeah, um, I'm sure it'll be a, a grand old time. <laughs> all right, thank you. There you hey. go. The informed and active electorate. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your top five. Five... Is it any wonder that the criminal justice system is so ass? <laughs> I mean, she sounded reasonably intelligent, doing everything she could not to serve. Counting is wonderful. Jesus. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? Why, here's Tim Riley with today's top five. And as we ponder karaoke and its many enthusiasts, we examine the musical preferences of the trashier set. Those tracks chosen in the vain attempt to make one look younger or hipper than one really is. These are the top five songs that trashy women always sing at karaoke in a vain attempt to look sexy. Honorable mention goes to Shania Twain. That don't impress me much. Ugh. I hate this song to begin with. Because she's wearing the most hideous, like, all leopard print outfit. By standing by the side of the road, right? Oh, yeah. It's like leopard print shoes, shirt, pants, everything. I've known a few guys who thought they were pretty smart. But you got the down to You know what else isn't, what's not? So many drunk women sing this song. You know, with, like, wrinkles and frizzy hair. You know what's not on this list, but what I bet... Uh, women also sing trying to look sexy is that Carrie Underwood song where she's like smashing the guy's car oh like think before you cheat or well, something you're a rocket scientist that don't impress me so Shania Twain is really made for suburban women who want to feel hotter than they are. I mean, really. 
sounds like a little bit of leopard print's cool. Why don't I just make everything out of leopard print? <laughs> Horrible lady. And even her bag and her, like, that don't impress me. Like, ghetto 90s collar <laughs> thing that she's wearing. It's like leopard print, too. You stop just in time to hit the post. Good for you, Sarah. Well done. She angers me. Like our own Mr. Blackwell. And like, uh, pole dancer at 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, this song sucks. And the girl who sings this always has a slew of drunk friends with her who all come up and start singing the chorus with her and they'll all be screaming. Uh, you know, the, the woman who sings this song at karaoke is the definition of the woman who thinks she is, quote, all that. In quotes. All right. Who would have the MILF license plate. Okay. Totally. Number five, Meredith Brooks and bitch. <laughs> Did you just say you bitch? Wow. Uh, bitch. All right. Now, this is sung by women of a certain set. This is always women over the age of 33, I would say. Or they're like, their childhood's like slowly slipping away. Totally, yes. I hate the world today. Where is Meredith Brooks right now? Good to me, I know, but I can't change. I would picture her married to like a Scott Bakula or something. Maybe. Not married to a real A-lister. Like, you'd be like a director or something. But a director of kind of bad films. Yes. Yesterday I cried. Must have been relieved to see the softest side. This is sung solely by fat women. You know it's true. Wait, Sarah's sort of no, no, you're shaking right. your head as though. Oh God, you! It's, I'm chill. I'm getting horrible chills from it. Jesus. The girl who's singing this at karaoke is no one's dream. No one's at all. Especially not the poor sop that's married to her. But the girl always thinks this one, like, she, she's edgy enough by singing, like, singing the word bitch over again. Yeah. Standing there. And she'll really, she'll probably really sell the word bitch when she gets to it, too. Maybe we could drop some dedication to her next boyfriend. Totally, totally. To the man that done her wrong. Who didn't know what he had. Oh, this is like having my soul chipped away. These are the top five songs. Trashy women always sing at karaoke, trying to look sexy. Number four, Pussycat Dolls, don't you? That really is true. This is probably for the younger set. This, this is exactly what I was going to say. This is the scantily clad slutty girl <laughs> who has is totally tone deaf. And she's there, like, writhing on the mic. You, like me. you know who sings this? Girls who all look like that Ashley Dupree, Elliot Spitzer hooker. Yeah. You know, club girls. We're always with Richie. Totally, way too tan. We're way like, too much. Like some fluorescent colored halter top. Completely too with much. Like horrible, like generic, like highlights. And too much, too many highlights. Too much tan. Too much makeup. Throwing a weird hand sign at the camera. And their ass is a little too big for that, <laughs> that, for that like little denim skirt that they're still trying to stick it into. Yes. You know, I love music and all, but really. Don't you wish well, it makes me feel like it's a little stripper I have nothing. Was that Nicolette Sherzadin or whatever her name is? Well, that's the chick from the Housewives. Oh. Well, then who's the... Well, whatever. Sounds like Nicole something. I don't really care. These are the top five songs. Trashy women sing at karaoke trying to look sexy. Number three, Atlanta Miles of Black Velvet. 
So for this, I'm picturing... Okay, I've got mine. Much older, 45 years old. Just going through a divorce. Yes, exactly. There with... Wranglers. There with her office girlfriend. Oh, God. Taking a break from clipping out Kathy comics to put on the wall of her cubicle. Maybe a little cowboy hat and, like, some kind of floral floral pattern tank top. Bad, uh, bad leathery smoker skin. Think about getting it to Amway. <laughs> <laughs> We're terrible people. Are we bad? We ought to be on a reality show. Like, We're the best. We ought to have a show where we, where we can just do that thing of analyzing the smallest flaws in people. When three terrible people are put together in the same thing. <laughs> it's true, there's just types. Like, like just certain types of people gravitate towards... Oh, we ought to have... And the name of our reality show would be called Three Terrible People. Yes. And we hit the post. I imagine this woman to be extremely overweight. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. No, totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But but packing it into clothes that she ought yeah, not wear. But not aware no. of the fact that she's extremely overweight. And back home, and I think you had talked about this, back home, a bunch of photos of her and her girlfriends drunkenly holding up margarita glasses to the camera. Cosmos. Yeah. Cosmos, right? Yeah. Sorry. These are the top five songs trashy women sing in a vain attempt to look sexy. Number two, Sophie B. Hawkins. Damn, I wish I wish I was fun. Totally. This is the song, single woman on the prowl, singing this drunkenly at karaoke, hoping that it'll just trip, you know, like trip the heartstrings of that special someone in the audience. No, I see this girl as, as if, um, like, she's kind of there alone, but, like, maybe she knows, she knows some people who, like, work at the bar, but she doesn't really know. Short hair, kind of more vegetarian. <laughs> totally. A little bit, but kind of, like, dances to the beat of her own drummer. Uh, with a henna tattoo. Oh, yeah. Maybe like the bad sort of horrible uh, like uh, dreadlocks. Maybe the bad like white girl dreadlocks. I don't know, I'm like picturing like short like short hair. Oh, by the way, according to her Wikipedia, turns out I have a rival for Oregon Entertainer of the Year. Meredith Brooks is continuing to produce and develop new artists as a producer and songwriter. Sure, she is. This, by the way, is a woman of a certain age. She'll be 32 to 38. Nowhere older or younger. All right, counting down the top five songs that trashy women always sing at karaoke in a vain attempt to look sexy. What's our number one, Tim? It's Gloria Gaynor and I will survive. Sarah, who sings this? Drunken bachelorette party. Oh, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. This is sung by a woman who is completely oblivious to the fact that the guy who dumped her has never been happier. The guy who dumped her has never been more in love with his life. And this girl is going to be with like 16 of her closest, exactly, office friends. Always. Always. And they always, and when she gets to the chorus, they all cheer in the audience. They all cheer and like wave their hands like they're like they're throwing a lasso. And she sings with her eyes closed. (laughs) Oh yeah, because she's feeling it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I hate you. Why do you say things like that? Why are we so terrible? It's all. I'm gonna double dump that. Okay, I'm sorry. That's the name of the shot. (laughs) You didn't even say the whole thing, but I'm gonna dump that anyway. (laughs) I'm sorry, people. But it is a specific kind of shot that she would that one of her kooky friends would be like, let's make Meredith feel better by giving her uh, a drink with a suggestive sexual name. Perhaps. To tell her good job. Good job on breaking up with that guy. You hit the post again. Look at you. 
Let's take a break, shall we? Back after this. The live streams, all the people heard that. That's what we do. This email says, hey, you really are terrible people. When can I join the show? Thank you, sir. We ought to do some sort of spin-off. Three terrible people. Three terrible, but it'd be like, it has to be like three terrible people and blah, blah, blah. And a friendly call screener. Three terrible people. Maybe we should wait until after Richie makes his transition. And a transsexual call screener. Three terrible people and a transsexual call screener. We that... can come to three. That would be a huge hit. You know that. Richie Bristol, when do you think that you're, uh, when do you think you're great? When do you think you will transform from chrysalis to butterfly? I'm sorry, that was a little creepy. That was my Anthony Hopkins there. It's not even listening. I don't think It's not answering back. All right, I feel like there was stuff we didn't get to today, but... Wow, why did you just, why would you just write that on the screen? <laughs> what did he write? What do you mean when someone cuts it off? Okay. Oh, whatever. Wow. <laughs> I don't want to think about that, Richie. That was you. You could have answered in some sort of more vague fashion. Well, all right. Hmm. Well, I have no way to talk that. How long do we have? Like forty seconds? Yeah, like thirty. All right. Anything you want to play? I, I probably have something I can find. All I have is. Uh... I have this. I need to build a sex temple. I don't mean for this to sound sleazy, but what do you wear when I put my baby in you? I better take off my pants. Take off your pants. Let me go to uh, the hornyslut.com rape fruit like bosoms. Your bosoms? Uh, which are plentiful. It's really possible it's being hidden in my butt. You must take my seat. I was waiting for the anus. No matter what you do in your life, you will never be as retarded as I am. Hello! All right, we'll be back tomorrow at 10 a.m., kids, for the recap, and 11 o'clock for the show. Like us next, Mike O'Mara's show at 7 p.m. Rick Emerson show produced today and every day with the lovely and talented Sarah Dillon for AM 970 Southern State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley on the phones. Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper, is Dave Zinn. The webmistress is Bridget from upstairs. Uh, Director of Engineering, Brian Jones. CBS Radio Portland Marketing Guru, Susan Don't F with Me Reynolds. We want to thank Steve Kastenbaum and Lisa Desjardins broadcasting from Portland, Oregon. Uh, thank you for listening. Be safe. Watch out for snakes. I'm huge. See you all tomorrow. Bye.